Metallica, here they come, the kings of metal. Hey, this is Chad Z, roadie for Metallica, and you're listening to Metal Up Your Podcast. Welcome to Mel Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. And I'm Paul Moak. Paul Moak. Here we are. All right. Let's just go ahead and clap. Let's do it. Let's give Why it up. Wouldn't we clap? Give Clapping it up. For give himself. it up. Give it up, y'all. Uh, we are here at HQ3, also known as the Smokestack, the, one of the finest studios in Nashville, Tennessee. Thanks. And uh, listen, it's it's Tangent City Part 5. It's Tangent City Part 5. We've done five of these? We've done yeah. five of these, yeah. Over well, the course of like two four. years. This yeah. is the fifth, but. Right. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Well, I'm just trying to be, you know, thorough. <laughs> <laughs> hey, happy holidays and Merry Christmas to you guys. Yeah, you too. as well. This might be the last time we're all together before uh, end, si- before Santa the end of the Claus, world. Well, before well, yes, before the apocalypse, <laughs> but also before Santa Claus comes tumbling down the chimney. That's right. What's he bringing everybody this year? Hmm. Uh, I I don't know. Still a surprise after all these years. Still surprised. Well, my wife and I also don't do like a big Christmas ordeal, right? Because we're grown ups. Well, and not only that, but we. I mean, as you guys probably know as musicians there's plenty of years where we're super poor right <laughs> and so it's like we used to do this thing actually where where we would uh for christmas we would each have twenty dollars to spend at the dollar store wow you can get a lot for that you can and it, but it was kind of fun to get creative like i would literally go to the dollar store by my house and be in there for like a good hour wow like really trying to find something I, i'm like everything i'm gonna get i want her to actually like yeah and maybe a funny gift or two but that's what we did. So yeah, we don't have like a big. I mean, I'll, I'll decorate the house a little bit. But so what are we it. talking? Like a Pez dispenser, a bag of Doritos, <laughs> six a bath, pack of Brillo pads, a bathroom mat. I mean, functional things for sure. Like one, yeah. like one year, like we, we had the uh, what's the little stopper in your sink that kind of like the, the water goes through, but all the crumbs or whatever will, will get the caught. Right, that's stopper. Really sad. Is it a stopper? You no, got but, that for Christmas? No, but no, I got that for my wife for Christmas. <laughs> oh god, that's no, some like Prince of like the, the rubber shit. mat thing. That, that was one. That was that's, one, that's some tale of two worlds shit. That was one, <laughs> one, one of one of thing of twenty dollars worth of things. Merry Christmas. Honey. I think if we called her right now and said, "What's the worst gift?" No, you've she ever was gotten? stoked. That might be it. No, she was stoked. She's like, she opened. I wrapped everyone, everything individually. She was like. Oh my God, we need a new one of these. She was really happy about it. You know, one time my aunt gave me a stack of 
CDs still on the spindle. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, awesome. I could use these. This is back when we would burn CDs all the time. Right. 2018. And she goes, no, look right. closer. And it was a stack of DVDs. And it was the first season of The Alias burned on DVD, <laughs> burn. except DVDRs. It was missing the season finale because it hadn't aired yet. <laughs> oh my gosh! Wow, that, that is right up there with your relative who gave you a book he wrote about pins, yep. and then asked you to pay for it. They charged you for you it. You know what's yeah. odd? They're not married to each other. Different aunt, different <laughs> uncle. Okay, cut okay. from the Two same different cloth. sides of the family. <laughs> cut for from real. the same cloth. Jeez. Uh, that really happened. Did you watch all the episodes of Alias? No. <laughs> <laughs> she never even wanted to even check in to see if you actually liked the show Alias. Totally. That, that's, she was into it, so she pirated the, the, you know, this was like, I don't know how she got it onto DVDs at the time. Wow. And then she probably had... It probably took her weeks to do. Yeah. Yeah. But I just love that even if I had burned it all down, like you like to say, mm-hmm. I would have... You still wouldn't be Missed the satisfied, finale. right? Yeah, yeah, it's a bummer. Did you guys have relatives that would like try to get you cool gifts? Like, like, oh, Clint's a musician; he'll like this. Oh yeah, like it'd be like, like a like a lame teacher guitar that's like, cookie cutters. I'm with the band, or what? Yes, totally, <laughs> exactly. I've gotten guitar cookie cutters. I've gotten three of these. It's like a little wooden box. It's a guitar. Okay, it's like a puzzle. Like the, the like shapes. A, like a Rubik's Cube almost or like a no, 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 Jenga? Like the way they fit together, there's only one way to take it apart. Okay. You know? And then you get it apart. It's like, well, okay, cool. Great. <laughs> when I, before my grandmother passed away, she was pretty bummed out that I became an atheist. So she always got me like really charged up religious gifts. Oh, wow. She, like, like stuff with Bible verses all over it. And she would do something. She'd be like, did you feel anything yesterday? I'm like, what? Did I feel anything? She's like, I was praying for you yesterday. I was just curious if you felt anything. I'm like, mm. well, I had some Taco Bell. I, uh, I felt that. Yeah. Um, she would either get me that or she would get me like the largest t-shirt ever. <laughs> it would, like I would put it on. It would be like a muumuu. Right. Oh, gosh. And I'd put it on, you know, for fun. Like, do you take offense to that? You're like, am I? Not at all. Like, grandma, I'm not that big. Not at all. I thought it was sweet. <laughs> and you know, who who couldn't use a nice muumuu to sleep in? <laughs> I mean, th- they're not uncomfortable you know the sad thing is it fits me perfectly now <laughs> post covid nothing wrong like, with that yeah. well thank god she gave me that moo six years ago because thanks uh, grandma thanks grandma <laughs> well <clears throat> i am uh it's a spirit of uh being grateful right here yes. in the uh, holiday season of i'm course. grateful for you guys absolutely grateful for another year of metal up your podcast absolutely i'm grateful the, for alias grateful for this minus that season finale thank yeah. you jennifer garner is she in that yeah, that was like She's her the breakout main char- show. Main character, yeah. I can't even believe you guys know that. How do you guys know that? Because uh, I had the whole first season burned on DVDs. <laughs> my, my, I think my wife has watched that entire series probably four or five times. Whoa. She loves Alias. Wow. Every couple years, because it's still on Netflix or whatever, Hulu at this point, and every couple years, like, she'll kind of have like a long work week, or whatever, and have a lazy day where it's like, I'm just going to chill in bed or on the couch. I'm just right. going to watch whatever and just chill out, which is awesome. And every once in a while, like I'll hear like the alias like theme song, which is like this. It's like this weird electronic. Did Oingo thing. Boingo write the theme song? <laughs> it's, it's very. It, Danny Elfman may have done it. Yeah, he um, actually may have. But uh, yeah, anyways, Oingo she Boingo. loves that show. 
Well, here we are in Tangent City 5, and uh, the, great, tell. the great unthawing has been happening since the summer. And so thankfully, you and I have been on the road together, which what a treat. What a gift. That you and I have been touring together. It's insane, yeah. I've been a Paul, little jealous. I know you've been real busy with uh, Ann Wilson and busy in the studio. Like, It's been a good little season, despite the scariness in the yeah. world. Yeah, We're all sure. working again. We're all working. It's pretty cool. It was awesome. I don't know. I haven't been on here since we did the Ryman, right? I guess that's or our tattoos. Maybe we did uh, the, the tattoo timeline's episode. very blurry to me. No, we did a Tangent City bef- right before the Ryman. I think. Okay, I believe it. Was, I think before the Ryman. Yeah. So Someone congratulations, Ethan. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks for bringing that up. Well, thanks for teching for me. Yeah. Highlight of my year. What's funny is uh, when I got to the studio tonight, uh, I didn't realize you were here. I, I misinterpreted your text about going to pick up your son for something. But I saw your car, and I was like, well, maybe he's with his wife, and she's going to drop him off here or whatever. Right. You said the door would be open, so I walk in. I'm setting my stuff out. But I, I walked in the uh, B room, and I noticed that you hung up your Lucero Morgan Wade pass from yes. the Ryman show. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's you can, on the wall. You can remember where you came from. Yeah. You know, I haven't teched a lot, but that was definitely my finest hour. You crushed it, dude. Yeah. Although it is hard to hold the cell phone <laughs> and record your hand grabbing the guitar from but you did Ethan. it right most techs aren't also content guys yeah. <laughs> on the road well you know Paul, what's funny? a tech and con- content creator for sure ask ask Callie because I was on the side of the stage and like one eye was like on you and then the other was on the the Metal Up Your Podcast live stream. Oh, that was going <laughs> from watching, my phone, yeah. watching everybody's uh, reactions. Were you perhaps... I chimed in a couple times. Were you perhaps sleeping with one eye open? Yeah. <laughs> gripping one of my guitars. Gripping, your, gripping yeah. your Mr. Pillow tight. Yeah, Mr. Pillow. <laughs> Mr. Pillow. <laughs> well, in true Tangent City fashion, we've got a few things to talk about, but I think they're going to naturally arise as we do the housekeeping. Yeah. So let's first of all say thanks to a new patron, Daryl Fryers. Thank you, Daryl. Thank you, Daryl. For deciding to pony up your cold hard cash, which in the last two years is... is bones, as you've been calling I've been calling them bones. I've been sort of tapping into my early 90s Martin Scorsese nomenclature. And it makes me feel big and strong to call them bones. It's pretty cool. I brought it up before, that, but my, my dad used to call it lettuce. Right. Bones yeah. is stronger. It is oh, much stronger. Lettuce wilts. Yeah. Bones last forever. <laughs> lettuce is more for like marijuana. Bones. That's true. Bones are yeah. definitely stronger than lettuce. I can confirm that. The right. devil's lettuce. The devil's lettuce. Mm, I'm high right now just talking about it. <laughs> What's that, man? Yeah, man. Cool. Uh, so thank you, Daryl. We really do appreciate the support. If you like what we do at Melody Podcast, we like to we like to think over here that we deliver a quality product every week, despite mm. the oh, busyness yeah. of our lives. Yeah. And uh, it's not easy to do. It takes time. It takes money. And so the people who are willing and able to support the show at that level means a lot. Plus, you know what? We give you a whole bunch of shit over there at Patreon. You'll hear a commercial for it later if uh, if you're feeling in the giving spirit and you want to jump on the what we call the Patreon train. Yeah. Because I like to think of it as like a hobo sitch. Mm-hmm. You know? They're like hobos going from town to town, drifters perhaps. Mm-hmm. And they're just hopping on the train. Sometimes they hop off. Yeah, that's fine. They have to sort of jump off and do the the roll. Yeah, the little somersault kind of deal. The roll that sort of ensures you don't break any bones. If you were made of lettuce, you would you would not fare too well off <laughs> and that. And some train. are, and some are. All right, we're well, on. And also, tis the season for giving. Tis the season, baby. <sighs> Get a little of that Yuletide spirit in your bones. Yeah, perhaps <laughs> we're on all the socials. You can keep up with all of our shenanigans, including Mr. Paul Moak. Paul Moak posts on the socials. Oh yeah. Yeah. In fact, during the lockdown, you had one of the most valuable lockdown series ever, like the studio. T- what did what, did Thanks, that have a dude. name? 
Uh, what was it? Wasn't like, it just a, I think Corn Time or something like oh, that. Oh, it's Corn Time. That's right. Yeah. I watched all of them. There's 50 of them. Yeah. 50. 50. We're going to burn all of those to a stack of DVDs. We're actually going <laughs> to... Except, except number for the, 50. Except for the last one, because you're going to have to figure out where to get that on <laughs> That's Hulu. exactly, yeah. So follow us on all the stuff. If you want to keep up, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, Amazon Music, YouTube, all that stuff. The easiest way to get a hold of us, of course, as always, is the email corner. Yeah. Metal Up Your Podcast Show at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And we're going to dip in now and hear from some Metal Up Your well, Podcast we have, family. We, hang on. Yeah. We have one more housekeeping item. Okay. Okay. You guys didn't know about this. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. But this here's is the a little, tangent city. <clears throat> here's a little United States Postal Service priority mail envelope. Okay. And... uh Let's see. How do we go about doing this? I don't know. This is. Let me give you a little backstory. This is all you, dude. This is my Christmas present to you. Oh my goodness! Tis the season. Tis the season. So, as uh, the fans that listen to the show regularly know, we text each other a lot. Yes. Outside of the show, I'm texting Ethan right now. Actually. Oh yeah. Mostly regarding all the same stuff that we talk about on the show. Sure. But. a lot of black album talk has happened this year. Of course. And so I haven't noticed. Yeah. <laughs> so uh you guys did what was it? One of the episodes I was listening to and I got in a deep dive about uh the whole making of the black album and trying to find more Bob Rock material. Right. Right. That led me, I don't even know how, to the biggest black hole and at the end of it I found this. Okay, I'm intrigued. Okay, okay. yeah, I'm, I'm very Cover intrigued. me intrigued. You ready? Uh, I don't know if I'm ready. Paul's can we unsh- get some Christmas music going? Sure. Yeah, okay. We absolutely can. Okay. Here we go. There's one for you. Oh, you got us a piece of wood. One for you. Now, describe to the viewers. Well, I don't want to turn listeners. it over yet. Yeah, I don't like turn it I feel over. like there's something happening on the so backside. Paul's hand is what looks like a large drink coaster. Yeah, or it looks like a piece of uh, what you would put together your, your kitchen floor. You know what it looks you know? like? Yeah. It, look, it looks like a little piece of basketball court. Yep. Oh, okay. There you go. Are we? It does. What do we do now? Okay. Do we flip I'm going to give each of you one of these. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is a, it's a certificate of authenticity. <laughs> it's a certificate. Yes. And I want you, one of you to read it. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'll read it. What on earth is happening right now? Certificate Whoa. of Authenticity. This certifies the 6x6 piece of parquet wood floor labeled number 0012. What's yours called? Uh, uh, number one. I'm just kidding. It's, th- it's 13. Is from the 2000 uh, San Francisco live room floor of Studio A from one-on-one recording studios, North Hollywood, California. The floor was installed in 1982 and removed in 2021, known as the best drum room in L.A., it was a part of the creation and recording of numerous albums, including Metallica's The Black Album <laughs> hey, and, yeah. and Justice for All. Other artists who recorded in the space include Kiss, Motley Crue, Megadeth, Poison, Cher, Donna Summer, Bon Jovi, Rod Stewart, Etta James, Ozzy Osbourne, and Alice in Chains. It's true. I did record there. This is a piece of the drum fl- Wait, the floor? This is a piece of the floor of the studio. Dude, this is wow. an amazing gift. <laughs> Wait, for real? Okay, so... Well, make sure your numbers match, because I didn't... They do, they do. Okay. Yep. So, do you know? It, 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 did you sign this? No, that's the current owners of the building. This is an amazing wow. gift, dude. This is incredible. Yeah. Are you kidding me? So, oh. here's how I found it. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> how, how did you find out that they were selling off sections <laughs> he of went, the he, floor? He went from wherever may room live to yeah. whatever, you know. It literally was a black hole. And somewhere along the way, I found out that one-on-one, which is still a studio. It's right. Like, it's more of like a hip-hop yeah. uh, multi-producer room place now. They had an AC leak and it ruined the floor. Wow. And so they decided 
instead of just chucking it, we're going to put it up six by six, you know, pieces. Well, like an eBay or something? Yeah. Or is it, wow. So you're yeah. telling me if I sign up, a, if I set up a tiny drum kit on this, it will It'll sound, sound like Sabbatru. Like, It'll sound to well, yeah. You know those little uh, figurines? Like you can get the whole set of Metallica? Yeah, the McFarlane. Oh, we have them, yeah. Yeah. Put <laughs> Lars <laughs> on that. Oh, you totally should. Dude, I'm going to make love to my wife on this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. This that, is one of the most happen. thoughtful things I've ever I know, received. This is really cool. Man. Thank you, Paul. Yeah. And just, I mean, just to think, like, this is literally, like, part of the floor where they were yeah. standing creating the Black Album. So it's, we, you should get, it like, a shadow box and put it in there with that. I've already purchased it in my mind. Yeah. And now for our gift for you, two big <laughs> smackaroos. Right on the lips. Hey, we're going to hit pause real quick and get naked for a second. Well, thank well, you, Paul. I saw That's it amazing. and I was wow. like, you can't not do that. You know? What an amazing gift. That's so cool. Yeah, for real. Thank you so much. Thank Absolutely. You. The certificate, Merry Christmas. The certificate of authenticity really puts it over the top, wow. too. Because you could have just carved that at, at, the, at Vanderbilt's basketball, you know. Yeah. If there is one critique I would have, I don't like that those got bent because they just mailed it in this envelope. I don't mind that it's bent. No, the certificate oh no problem you know no problem i'll put oh. it, i'll put it under a couple of cookbooks here's the best best thing look at who it's from all right ethan lars Ulrich. <laughs> <laughs> uh it's from uh matthias sorum could it be matt sorum what it says, it says i don't think so it's either matthias or, or, or i don't think it's pronounced pronounced matthias i think it's matthias matthias sorum one-on-one recording yeah he um, signed it firewoman lancashire <laughs> boulevard North Hollywood, California. Crazy. Well, Paul, thank you so much. That's really sweet of you. Yeah, Absolutely. that's pretty awesome. I mean, wow. I'm emotionally verklempt right now. I mean, please. <laughs> well, let's take a little tear break and kick it to the email corner and read some emails. Let's do it. All right. Our first email is from Mr. Danny Santana. What up, Danny Santana? He says, what's up, brothers? Inspired greatly by both Lunar Satan and the Golden West records, mixed by Paul Mook, both those records right mm-hmm. here, um, which maybe we can buy a piece of Paul's for one day. Ooh. Yeah. That'd be cool. Uh, I pray to God my AC doesn't leak on my floor. <laughs> for real. You got a lot of things on the floor here. Uh, Danny says, I wrote it and recorded the first song of an album I'm working on. It always caused me great anxiety to think of any negative reactions to it, but I finally put more weight into what I thought <clears throat> and what would make me happy, so I released it. Very cool. Uh, I thought of a question that could be interesting to discuss. Many artists have songs that play uh, right down to the intro music to their live shows to kind of signal that it's about to go down, i.e. Metallica using the long way to the top, ACDC. What would you guys choose to do uh, for your own live shows? So he's talking about before the actual intro music starts where the lights go down. I think he means just any intro music that just lets yeah. everyone know what the deal is. Yeah. Which, how awesome was it when long way to the top was playing? Because we knew it was going down. Yeah, we knew that the next thing. It also separated the the wheat from the chaff, as they say, because everyone knows ecstasy of gold. But right. if you really know, you know when long way because they don't really yep. do anything different for long way from the just house music, right? But long way is an indicator to the diehards shit's about to happen. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you know, tighten your butt up. Yeah, pr- protect your neck. It's about to go down. So I, but I think protect I, your I, neck. I think an interesting way to answer the question wouldn't be to think of what would be before another intro music. What's our? What's your intro music before you start your jams? Hmm. 
Hmm. to get everyone fired up. Well, for, for as an example, on the Morgan Wade tour, we had this really cool version of Hell's Bells mm-hmm. that Clint put together that turned into this pad where we started the intro. Oh, cool. And that, pretty cool. That, was, that was real fun, yeah. That's what, when I saw Paul McCartney, they had a DJ remixing Beatles songs before he came out. Wow. Which I thought, if, when I was first walking in, I was like, oh man, don't play Beatles before I watch a Beatle, but it was actually super awesome. Right. That's cool. I love that they maybe hired him to do something different. He's like, why don't I just play Beatle music? Yeah. They're like, well. I think the people well, like, coming would like it. It was like with beats underneath and stuff. Yeah. It was, it was really cool. It's been a... Um, <laughs> man, I don't know. Probably Tiny Tim tip- tiptoeing <laughs> through the tulips. You know that Whoa. song? Uh, no, I know Tiny Tim. Though. I'm just thinking yeah, of the here. character Tiny Tim. All right, let's get a little sampling. Yeah, yeah let's get a little, uh, let's see. little example here. Live and in studio right now. Tiptoe through the tulips, Tiny Tim. Here we go. This is right before Paul Mook takes the stage? Yeah. And they would just be like the most brutal death metal. Some bands will do that weird stuff. Isn't Guns N' Roses that does like Looney Tunes or something? I don't know. I would say that is quite the juxtaposition. Yeah. Ethan, do you have one? Wow. See, I'm thinking like... Here's here's mine. Okay, go ahead. Nice. God's gonna cut you down, Johnny Cash. That's a good one. Yeah, but how do you top that, dude? When you come out... I I play one of my awesome songs that's better than this. (laughs) Here, I'm gonna get Lunar Satan pulled up. And we'll do the. All right. This is what it would be like. Yeah. The intro of the show. So you got to imagine this. What's All the, the first lights are out. Lunar Satan song of the show? <sighs> blood under blood. Okay. So this is fading out. Yep. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Everyone just shit their pants in the arena, by the way. Damn. Yeah. Wow. Maybe whoever, Lunar, whoever mixed that did a good job, by the way. Maybe Lunar Satan yeah, should real. be my walk on music. Dude. Hell, well, that'll be hard to top, but and yeah. Then I'll play Tiptoeing Through then the Tulips. Then Tiny Tim. <laughs> That's my first song. What about you, Ethan? I don't know. God, you guys just crushed it. We did. That's <laughs> um, true. We did. I mean, I'm, I, I was actually going the route of like something very opposite of what I do, like the Beastie Boys, for instance. Like, but, oh, but not, oh, you know what would be cool is uh, the Sabotage. Uh, sabotage. I, yeah. I was thinking maybe not something that's like uh, one of their most well-known songs. Maybe one of their, they have a lot of like instrumental like interlude kind of things, which could be kind of cool too. Um, this is not nearly as cool as what you guys just did. Um, How about a little sear it up? I mean, I, yeah, you could go. That would be l- cool. A little Bob Marley. But I mean, how, that would be cool. Although it would be kind of rad if, if like the lights went down and then it was. Yeah. Sabotage would be sick. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. Although you'd have to have it pulled back where when you come in, it's not, it's like more powerful than. <laughs> right. Because that, that would that's, be pretty that's awesome. That's real powerful. Yeah. It's hard to beat. Yeah. But it's kind of cool to challenge yourself in that way. Like, I'm coming out to this baller song. I better really bring some heat. Yeah. And then here, here I come with you know my Western guitar and like an accordion. <laughs> <laughs> an accordion with a memory man pedal. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Danny. Uh, and congrats on releasing your first song, on man. Making That's so your awesome. thing. He, you know, he's talking about he finally, you know, he was worried about the negative reactions, but he finally put more weight into what he thought and what would make him happy. So he released it. You got to take that leap can't, of faith, can't think man. about that, man. Yeah. You can't think about whether, because you got to do it for yourself, ultimately. Absolutely. You got to keep the faith. In the words of the great JBJ. If you're going to yeah. go down in the blaze of glory. 
Well, well, first of all, like once you release it and you and you have that 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 comfort, like I finally got it out there, then you can they can rest on a bed of roses. Yeah. Oh my you know? gosh, yeah. absolutely. I'm saying because I mean before that, I mean ultimately we're all just living on a prayer. Dude, Tommy used to yeah. live on the dock. Yeah. Oh well, he worked on the dock. Well, you, well, you, yeah. well, you need he, he had an apartment because Gina was working at the diner all day. Right? All day, yeah. she's working, working for, for the man. man. Yeah, she brings home her pay for love. But Look, oh love. Enough. At the end of the day, he can finally say. Who says you can't go home? <laughs> Dude, at the end of the day... It's all right. It's all right. You have <laughs> okay. to, listen. All right. It doesn't matter how f- afraid you are to put your art out there. Yeah. You have to be willing and able to hijack a rainbow and crash into a pot of gold. That's right. <laughs> Period. Period. Done. The end. Yeah. Well, thank you, Danny, and congrats. You can... I think his the moniker he has under it is called Danny... Danny Los Angeles. Danny Los Angeles, yeah. Yep. And he says it's on all the streaming stuff. So thanks, dude, and congrats. Very cool. All right, Mr. Mokey Moke. All right. Next email is from Sean Keith. I just finished the podcast from last week and your Tangent City into the Beatles documentary. I wanted to get your thoughts on the parallels between some kind of monster and the get back sessions. Hmm. Do we want to, do we want to pause and answer, address that? Well, he kind of elaborates a little bit. Oh, okay. Bit. Here we go. My thoughts are that the Beatles documentary in many ways was the original some kind of monster, but with better albums that ultimately resulted from those sessions nonetheless it was the end of the line for the beatles and metallica dodged this this end of the story the difference is that the beatles <laughs> the difference is metallica recognized it early and put it out into the market willingly had the beatles done this at the time it would have been a highly polished packaged and edited addendum to the planned live show with all the blips blumps and blunders edited out of it as hard as it was at the time, this was risky but visionary activity that ultimately panned out well for Metallica. That's it for now. Have a great holiday and time with your families while you're off the road. Everybody loves what you're doing and keep doing it. Cheers, Keith. Atlanta, Georgia, New, New Jersey. Jersey. Honey, please. Come on. Well, so, okay. So, there's a lot to say about this documentary. Yeah. Let's yeah. Let's, yeah. let's get the... Um, camp out here for a minute? Let's camp out. Maybe Let me get my camping chair. Maybe an hour. <laughs> Let me get my Coleman stove yeah. in case we want some coffee. So, let's first of all clear away the, um, the Some Kind of Monster Metallica correlations. What do mm-hmm. you guys think about that? Uh, it's pretty hard to draw, you know. I, I will say, man... Maybe, I don't even. Maybe, I don't see any. My only comparison to that uh, would be: there is a point, and if you haven't watched the Beatles documentary, spoiler alert: there when, is a point when John slams the door that won't slam. Exactly. They takes off his hot rod. <laughs> um, his overalls on. He's wearing yeah. overalls. Yeah. yeah, he got frosted tips. I there, remember that. Part. No, but there, there, there is you know uh, this element of is this band going to stay together mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with the Beatles and Metallica? Right. You know. Um, because you know, at one point George quits, obviously, and there was there's a one point where like Paul walks in and it's just him and Ringo. Yeah, John's like way late, and he and he goes, and then there were two. And that dude, that's the scene where you he, there's this really deep pause, and his he starts to tear up. Yeah, and I wrote about it today, where I was like, you can see in that footage that maybe that's the first time he really dawned on him that the Beatles yeah. might not be around forever. Yeah, we're not invincible. You yeah. know? Let so me ask you this: that's uh, the comparison that I see. Yeah, I'm is that they're that. both kind of on the brink of some maybe ending. And I do think it kind of ends there. Right. Let me let me There's ask you this. A lot more joy in the get back sessions than the some kind of monster. agreed, yeah. Let me ask you this. Less Hawaiian shirts though, sorry Paul. <laughs> this is uh this is a big difference to me. When some kind of monster came out, it came out 
immediately. Uh, I mean, the movie and uh, the record came out together, right? The the film came out after the record. How how long after? A year. Okay. Like a year, yeah. We have the benefit of knowing that the Beatles eventually broke up. And so you're watching it through the light of, oh, well, this is what the would end. Happen. You know? Yeah. So I wonder how much we're reading into that stuff that did they even know, you know? Because do you know how long after this film they went into Abbey Road to do it was like Abbey a couple Road? of weeks, right? Three weeks. It was yeah. three weeks later they started Abbey and there's, Road. And there's some confusion about that. So Let It Be was the last released Beatle album. Right. They right. released it after they broke up. Yeah. Right. They recorded all this footage and they made the album that we know and love, but at the time it wasn't out. And I guess those sessions were generally considered not even worth putting out. Right. So well, because it was about the concert. It was about the rooftop. Right. And so after that, with less than a month, they recorded, which might be their masterpiece, which is Abbey Road. Right. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I found so fascinating about the doc is how much of that material they were already playing. One of my favorite scenes is, it, it, it means a lot to me because my journey with the Beatles, I was maybe 21, which I feel like is pretty late to get into the Beatles. Sure. Mm -hmm. Being a musician since I was 12, because I always thought it was love me, do I want to hold your hand. And I thought that stuff was lame. I've since now as a mature Beatles fan, that early stuff is as deep as any of it. Sure, yeah, of course. Please, yeah. please me. I saw her standing there. Saw her standing there is great. Um, yeah. That girl, all of it. But when I was 21, I thought that shit was lame. I, and I was wrong, but I was young and stupid. Yeah. No, I'm old and stupid. <laughs> but anyway, uh, the song that someone first played for me, they were like, dude, you need to check out the Beatles. Like, their real shit. They played me the song called Oh Darling from Matt yeah. Rowe. Oh my which gosh, is this, yeah. It's a 50s kind of little richer thing that Paul Six, does. Six, eight vibe, man. And one of my favorite scenes in the movie is right before they leave Twickenham, they're tearing all the gear down. And Paul gets in early because he wants yeah. to demo a new song. Yeah. And it's Oh Darling. Yeah. Oh Darling, yeah. Well, dude, they're all playing each other's Songs that don't even appear until their first solo record. They played Gimme Some Truth, yeah. which was on yeah. John's second solo album. Yeah. I mean, there's stuff that they, they they were writing during the Let It Be sessions. And they do, uh, that they don't uh, even, all, all Things, things Must Pass. pass. Oh my even, gosh. I know. Can uh, you believe that the Beatles played that song? Because in my mind... It's a George song. It was like, sure. well, I, I guess I just assumed that they all wrote that stuff after the Beatles right. broke up for right. their... For their you know but it could have been a beatles song. but that's why the, could have been, yeah. that's why the first i can't really speak for ringo because i never really got into his solo stuff but i definitely am very hip to the other three parties at least their first three solo albums yeah mm -hmm. and one of the and those are their best solo albums and one of those reasons that it dawns on you when you're watching this is because that's really beatle music right yeah you've got paul They're unused beatles songs. you've got maybe i'm amazed so paul's first album which is called mccartney maybe i'm amazed junk John's first solo album, you've got, you know, Mother and God, and then what would be on Imagine would give me some truth. Mm -hmm. With George, you've got him doing All Things Must Pass. What do they mistakenly call that song? Uh, Sunrise Doesn't know. Last All Morning or something? Something like that. Yeah. They, they like misname it, and, Paul, and George is like, no, that's called All Things Must, all all things things must, must Pass. pass. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was interesting to see all the Abbey Road material because they, yeah. they, they fully flesh out Maxwell's Silver Hammer. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which, and they're, which, and they're uh, doing like Polythene Pam, like all the. Golden Slumbers makes yep. it in this yeah. movie. Yep. All the stuff that would be that medley, Mean Mr. Mustard's in it. Even like, certain songs they work their ass off didn't even end up on any record, came out as a single, and that was it. Like, Don't Let, don't me, let down. me Down. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's not on Let It Be. Don't Let Me Down. It's, I mean, that's probably one of the best songs on the album. It, it, it ended it ended up on the uh, the Hey Jude compilation, which is all their all their non album singles. It's called Past Masters. Yeah. Um, they have a, they have a thing. This is well, a, this is an interesting. We should talk about. Yeah, is back in that time the singles weren't on the albums. Right, Hey Jude's not on an album. No. Strawberry Fields not an album. Penny Lane's not an album. It's we crazy. can work it's it out. Not an album. Eight days a week's not on an album. 
Um, we can work it out. It's so fucking good. We can work it out. It's great. To me, that's one of the best examples of Paul and John working together. Yeah. Because Paul's going, try and see it my way. And then it's John going, life is very short. Major to minor. there's no time. That was one of the first Beatles songs my dad ever showed me. And and I I was new to learning guitar and learning what major and minor was and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And then I remember I really connected with with the life is very short part. And it's another thing they did that's in that song uh, is they would always go to 6-8. Yeah. We're fussing and fun, two, three, four, five, yeah. six. You know? Um, I don't remember how we got here. Welcome to Tangent City. Hey, this is what we do here. We're downtown at Welcome this point. Welcome to Tangent City. Here we go. <laughs> so, uh, no, anyway. We're, we're talking about uh, the, the non-album singles. Right. And that's, that's kind of like, it's clear why they're, they're well, right. I was, and I was thinking, too, about uh, their solo albums being so good on the front right. end because it really was kind of flip, being fleshed out with Beatles. Right. Uh, I, I think we can maybe move away from the Metallica compare. I just don't... I think it's a little tenuous. I don't... That was honestly the only thing I think it was that at it, 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 it both points in that band, either band's career was like, is are they going to stay together or not? Yeah. I think the whole, like, it's George quit it. the band thing is also, like, kind of blown up. He quit the band for, like, two days. They talked him back into it's it not like, real fast. Right. It's not like James going away for nine months. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, being not communicating with anyone but Kurt. Right. And also, they don't seem that worried about it. One of the things that struck me about it was just how kind of joyful it all is. Yeah. Like, the Twickenham shit's dark. That that scene, and here's another thing that, that, um, that Sean Keith mentions, is he's like, you know, if they'd put it out at the time, they did put the movie out. They put out a movie called Let It Let Be. It be yeah. It's been out of circulation since like 85. Mm-hmm. But it was basically just some of the footage that's in this 10-hour thing and it culminates with the rooftop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they did put it out and there is but there's that argument between Paul and George the day that George quit. Mm-hmm. And I th- I think watching the footage George knew he was going to quit that day. Yeah. I mean it happens pretty casually. It's like we're breaking for lunch and he's like, "Oh, I'll see you lads later." And then uh, bye. I'm going to quit the Beatles now. Yeah. It was it was like that. Like I remember I had to, I had to like rewind it real quick i was like wait what is yeah. wait, but it's that famous it that, arg- it's that, that famous easy? argument where paul's basically here's what it seems like is happening to me because another interesting about the documentary is there's no like um you know there's no talking over explaining anything yeah, it's just there's no talking heads th- there, the there's thing. no one going and this is where george gets upset right. they're just yeah. like letting it all play out and it's this interesting thing where paul is tr- not wanting to be the papa bear mm-hmm. but someone's gotta be mm-hmm. he, he takes the reins because sure. john's a little checked out john's a little uh, unwilling to like lead the session he's mm-hmm. he's actually really deferential to paul which we'll get to in a second the whole flower pot combo yeah mm-hmm. where paul says to john you know you're all you've always been the boss of the beatles mm-hmm. and then they're talking about like the george's wound and how they did they never helped him yeah like that whole shit it's that's yeah. real that, deep. that's one of the most interesting parts of the whole thing yeah but you got paul basically saying to george and really talking to everybody's like guys we got to get it together we can't just keep noodling we have to like yeah. figure out what we're doing mm-hmm. and he's like george is getting annoyed and you see paul being like i feel like every time i do this you get annoyed and i don't want to annoy you like i'm just trying to get the fucking tunes together right and that's when you got the famous like well, if you want me to play, Paul, I'll play. I'll if play, you want me to yeah. go home, I'll go home. I'll do whatever it is to please you. I don't. And George's basically saying, I don't care anymore. Yeah. It's because I think he knew he was going to quit that day. Yeah, yeah. So he was just almost like, he had almost just given up. Yeah. He was in that kind of zen, like, I'm out of here. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I really lo- I really loved when, when Paul did kind of take the reins. Like, uh, you, you had posted about it today in your thoughts about the whole documentary where, you know, the other dudes are off to the side, kind of joking around, eating toast, mm-hmm. having a drink, smoking, of course. And is there uh, smoking in this documentary? <laughs> uh, 
I'm, I'll have to rewatch it. I'll, I'll, let me confirm later, but <laughs> right. I'm pretty sure there is. Um, I'll smoke. It definitely made me miss smoking. I, I was just the whole time watching. I'm like, God, I want a cigarette. Oh, man. Um, I hate that for you. Oh, it's fine. I, I, I made it through it. Good. Thanks for concern, though. Um, but while they're over there off to the side, like, you know, dealing with other stuff, it's like Paul's just in the background and you just hear like, you know, let it be. Yeah. Just starting to work that out. Yeah. Like just to, to be able to see that happen in, in what feels like real time. It's very magical. It's so magical. Yeah. Like that or, or when he starts fucking around with Get Back mm-hmm. and he's just like singing dummy lyrics. Mm-hmm. You know, and he starts going into it, and it's like, dude, this song is forming. And you yeah. just see him doing it the way that we all do it. Yeah, he's just sort of trying to see what he's he's like turning it over in his hands to see what it is. Yep. Except it's get back. Except it's one of the greatest rock songs. Except ever. it's let let it be. Yeah, it's, you know. Or when George, that's when, not how I do it. How about how about <laughs> my end results? Not usually that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> how about when uh, when George comes in one morning, and he starts playing I Me Mine. I mean mine. Yeah. And they don't seem that stoked on it. Well, there was a cruelty. There's a cruelty to the way John and Paul dealt with George. Yeah. Yeah. Where even John's making fun of him where he's like, you know, we're in, you know, we're the Beatles, right? Yeah. He's like, what is this, a waltz? And you, and you can see George be like, well, fuck you guys. I'll take, I'll make this my Broadway song. Yeah. It's like, uh, and that's what they talk about in that flower pot conversation. It's like, they never really, I mean, imagine being in a band with Paul and John and being a songwriter and having to show those fucking guys your new jam. Yeah. But I mean, Jeez. some of the shit he did that did make it through is just some of the greatest songs that George ever writ, wrote. You know, like I don't know, I don't, I don't know if I mean mine's not that one, but like you mean walking my guitar and gently weeps. Oh yeah, oh I mean yeah, before I mean, this, yes. Oh, I mean Taxman and all his great songs, Within You, Without You, uh, and then of course on Abbey Road, Here Comes the Sun. I mean, yeah. and that, something that's argue, arguably their their oh, something. Jesus, that's yeah. a great song. Yeah, um, don't they? T- don't they fool around with that one in the dot? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild, man. But I think his two tracks on Let It Be, I Mean Mine and For You Blue, they're not my favorite George song. I do like I Mean Mine. Right. I do, I, do, I love that song. All through the day, I, I mean mine, I mean mine. And then that great chorus, I mean me mine. Da, 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 da. Yeah. They kind of, you know, they give him shit, but they get on board with it. They make yeah. it sound great. Yeah, for sure. And how about John playing that lap steel solo on yeah. For You Blue? And John's going... Dude, they pulled a lap steel out. I was just like, all right, here we go. And John's just going... Uh, he's like, we need to get this soon because I'm hitting my peak. Yeah. And John's just like real proud of himself. Yeah. It's crazy. I love seeing John uh, like take on some lead guitar stuff. Yeah, that's, like he plays a lead and get back. Yeah, Dude. exactly. And it's awesome. It's it, really good. It's like good. squirrely, but in an awesome way. Yeah. Absolutely. It's and it's weird to see like they didn't even really have conversations about that. Like yeah. no one said, well, maybe George should play the lead. He just yeah. started doing it. And how about all that shit George works out for Don't Let Me Down with yeah. Billy Preston oh my gosh. in those verses? Yeah. Even just his intro. Nobody like, ever loved me like you like boom, ba, boom, boom. Yeah. And how about how tight they are? That's the magic, dude. They're a great band. Yeah. That's what was so cool about the the experiment of Let It Be. They talk about it a little bit where they're like, you know, normally we would, they don't have any of the language we have. Yeah. But basically they're saying like, normally we would get the drums and then we would overdub, then we would get everything right, we'd make it all perfect and beautiful. But they were just really committed to like, these are going to be performances. Right. Mm-hmm. And I love in the documentary, you'll see them play Long and Winding Road 20 times, yeah. right. various versions of it. And then they'll do one where it'll, the little caption will come up and say, this is what appears yes. on Let It Be. Every time and that so, happened, I got chill bumps. Okay, so uh, I, I, don't, I didn't ask this yet. You finished it, right? Yeah. Okay. I haven't finished it. You have not. I have maybe 40 minutes left, but you can say whatever you need to say. Okay. Well, I mean, so. You know, they break up. 
Well, yeah, that's the thing. You know, John Lennon is not around anymore, right? Right. Okay. Right. Uh, no, but to your point where it said, this is the performance that, that appears on Let It yeah. Be. I didn't realize that some of those were from the rooftop. Yeah, dude. That's mind-blowing. Yeah. They li- are playing on the fucking rooftop of like Apple Records yep. or whatever. And they hadn't played live in five years. Yeah. And 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 like, oh, that take is our favorite. That put that on the record. And and if you really want to expand on like how great this band is, let's talk about what they were working with on the rooftop or in through through the entire documentary. Not one pair of headphones. Okay. I'm, is that a PA I'm, I'm glad we're talking about this because yeah. I have some like technical questions. A Fender PA. And, and uh, you know, uh, I almost, like, want to apologize, but I don't want to apologize, like, because it's Tangent City and we're talking about Beatles. Right. We're going to talk about this Beatles thing, because yeah. I, I have some questions about this. So I deserve an apology. <clears throat> I'm sorry, Paul. Okay. <laughs> so, they're in this room. They've got two twin reverbs. Yep. Side by side. Yep. For those of you who don't know, twin reverbs are real loud. They're about 80 watts. And real clean. Of clean. Yep. Th- there are no guitar pedals. So they're in a room. The two twin reverbs are just right in front of the drum riser. You got the drums. I don't even know what the mic situation was. I know the Glenn Johns three mic. He yeah. kind of does a room thing. They've got their vocal mics, yep. which are look like the Ed McMahon. They're the, AK, uh, the Price is Right. AKG C60s, but they've got a big extension tube. Right. Uh, okay. They're like a gooseneck looking thing. So it's a tube condenser mic, small diaphragm. So there's no separation. Correct. No isolation at all. So... Paul's playing a basement. He's playing through a big loud basement. The yeah. big cabinet one, yeah. I don't I don't think they're I don't think they have those amps cranked. No, they couldn't have. Yeah. Because they're they're just listening to each other. And, yeah. And then they have a PA set up. So what's coming through the PA? Probably, Probably just the vocal vocals, box. Yeah. So but then they're also able to just talk. So it couldn't have been that loud. Right. I mean, it really uh, it really blew my mind that like that record sounds as good as it does and just the the limitations of the gear. Well, just think about, not to throw singers under the bus, but think about... How good they had to sing it. Well, just just think about how many singers, every singer I've ever worked with, when we get on stage live or in the studio, I need to hear my voice right, more. Right, right. And for them to be on a rooftop with... They couldn't have heard shit. No, dude. Well, the, well, the, and, the, the two PA speakers they had in down in the studio that were on the rooftop they were leaned against the railing facing down to the street. Right. So that the crowd can, so that the like people no monitor. Yeah. So in other words, they're they're it's almost muscle memory for Paul singing "Get Back." They how many times did they do that on the rooftop? Three times. Yes, yeah, something like that. Two or three times. Yeah. And every time it's like, is this the vocal from the record? Because right. he's just can't tell. nailing it. And I love how when they're obviously excited to have you in the last forty minutes. Have you seen any of the rooftop stuff? Yet? No. Okay. But I've well, seen they, a lot of the rooftop footage just from years he gets ago. So, there's, a, there's a lot more. I, I'm I have stoked, heard that. I have heard that. It, yeah. He gets so into it that he's like, you know, obviously killing it on the bass, singing, and then also ad-libbing like, woo, you know, oh, yeah. and stuff like that out of each section. And then when he sees the cops come, that's like just dumping... 10 gallons of gasoline on the fire yeah oh dude he it turns was awesome. it up a million notches it's unbelievable he absolutely does and uh, i also love they cut george's amp, or they cut everybody's amps off the oh george turns around he's like Fuck george you. is like yeah whatever and turns it back on and keeps jamming it's who like, turned the amps off the, the, cops? the guitar tech and he's even saying like 
they're making me do it. You know, just yeah. like yeah. that. And they're like, nope. It's like they're roadie, dude. Wow. It, it, I mean, it, it was like a cool, like almost like punk rock moment. Yeah. Um, it reminded me, and I, I took a screenshot of this today because I thought this tweet was great. Uh, I'm not sure who this person is on Twitter, but uh, she says, I keep thinking about the cops at the end of the Beatles get back. Imagine if your legacy was that you were Officer Poopy Pants. <laughs> <laughs> there to shut down the last live performance of the fucking Beatles. Like no one will ever be a bigger party pooper than you. Literally no one. And yeah. that's what they wanted, though. They they wanted that. Yeah. You know, they, they were excited about the idea that it could, they had that punk rock. Yeah, yeah pre, for sure. Pre-punk rock thing. But I guess before we move away from this thing, which oh, we, we oh. may... Standards and practices just sent me a text. What does that mean? They're our standards and practices office. Okay. Oh, okay. What does it say? They said we've reached the time limit of not talking about Metallica, <laughs> that we need to tie it in somehow to Metallica. Well, I'm going to take a page out of old George Harrison's book, who tried to turn his amp off and say, fuck you, turn it back on. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I, I just, I need to make some, some sense of why it sounds as good as it does the way they recorded it, because... In our world, we we are surrounded by amazing gear. We're, we like to isolate. We like to have a lot of control. Right. How did they do that? Well, in my humble opinion, when they're in... Uh, when they move to the Apple yeah, studio. Yeah, and they start actually recording. It is set up in a way where they're, they're using the microphone's like the pol- the polar pattern of the microphone, I don't want to get too technical. Okay. Where they are rejecting certain things. And was that Glenn John just... Oh, yeah, yeah. He, him knowing as an engineer. Another if you thing- watch those scenes, they're they're constantly moving the mics around. Yeah. And then at just one point, them. Yeah. that baffle comes in front of the drums because obviously the drums were bleeding into the vocal mics at some sure. point. So they've got... It's like a little half baffle in front of Ringo. And... uh He's like moving. He's like always in the back of the scene, like moving stuff around. And he never seemed to lose his cool either. I mean, I yeah. would have been. Yeah. He would go on to do Led Zeppelin one, mm-hmm. a lot of stuff with the Who, the Rolling Stones. But I don't think he'd done a lot of that yet. Yeah. And he's he, he was cool as a fucking cucumber. Yeah. yeah. And and stylish. And he was very yeah very stylish. <laughs> he definitely o- wanted to be in the band. And had Austin Powers teeth. Yeah. I, I will say as much as I've read about them, I did not really know he was as responsible for the sound of that record. I, I always thought George, you know, right. George, George Martin, Martin's yeah. really more of like a an executive producer or like a um, yeah almost like a mentor. He's kind of around. Right. And even when it comes up that Glenn John might have to split to go back to the states to do some other project. They're like, well, George will just do it. And even George is like, nah, I think that if Glenn starts it, he should finish it. Right. It doesn't make sense to, he uses the, the analogy of like, we shouldn't change horses midstream or whatever. Right. But really, that's a Glenn John record. Yeah, totally. I was, I was pretty surprised how little, uh, not involvement, but George Martin is not really in the documentary as much as you would think. Mm-hmm. He's around. Yeah. But as far as his involvement of like being, being you know, the producer. Well, I think a well, couple things. First off, back to the the sound. Mm-hmm. You also got to remember, Ringo's not playing like an '80s metal drummer. He's playing. He's got towel on the snare. Right. Mm-hmm. He's playing very he's light. Playing very light, and they're not using room mics or trying to compress the the drums in any way. It's like very natural, you know, dynamic mic recording. How about how tiny that playback room is? Like they yeah. just all keep crowding in there. Yeah. It's so, like an afterthought. So when it is showing some of that primitive. 1970 gear i don't even recognize any of that it looks well, like war machinery one of them is that 
compressor right there that you're looking at. Is that Fa- the Fairchild? Fairchild, yeah. So they have a Fairchild in there. They have that was in Get Back? Yeah. No, this, that one. This actual one, yeah. <laughs> That's going to put my kids, kids, kids through college. Well, you know what was interesting about it is it, it looks like all the knobs are like face up. Like we're, we're, we're used to, you know, the, the, the interface of gear facing out to us. Right. Like a drawer. Theirs are like flat on a table. Yeah. It's an EMI console. I mean, all that stuff was uh, pretty groundbreaking at the time. Really? I mean, they were on, the Beatles were on the front end of not only modern recorded music, right? But uh, multi-tracking, right? And all, mm-hmm. all and, and of people, that. people don't. I don't think people know that they don't know that the Beatles have the first recorded feedback on "I Feel Fine." Mm-hmm. The Beatles were the first to use eight track. Like they did everything on yeah. a four track until Abbey Road, right? Correct. Actually, I think. Uh, Meet the Beatles was two track, I think. Unbelievable! It's, it's, it's just all, recording, recorded bouncing, in, recording, which, by the way, eight, if eight any, hours. If anyone's curious, you know, there's. A, I think there are a lot of people getting interested in the Beatles because of this. Mm-hmm. And I know we have a lot of our podcast people who are getting catching some of the the fire of it. Sure, yeah. If you're going to start with the early stuff, you got to start. Meet the Beatles is the best early yeah. Beatles record. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I saw her standing there, and that girl, and can't. I know, can't buy me loves on hard days night, but that's the one to start with. Yeah. Um. So that was two track. So, I'm pretty sure. So for someone who may not understand this, like on a four track, you're really only using three tracks because you got to use the fourth one to dump everything, right? Correct. Bounce it all down. Yeah. So you're really only using three, then you dump. That's why when you listen to Beatles records, correct me if I'm wrong, if you listen to Beatles records with headphones, it is fucking insane. All of the drums will be completely to the right. Right. Yeah. And all And the bass will be on the left and the vocals. Yeah. And a horn part will come in hard pan somewhere else too. It almost makes no sense. Well, I, I think a lot of those were... What were those decisions? Were those the, the stereo or, if it was the early early Beatles, they went back when stereo uh, came out. But they didn't even pay... They, they thought that was a fad or something. Like, right. And so it was like, oh, just... Just throw this, it here. Make it sound wild. Right. You know? Because all, I mean, all the early stuff was all mono, mono. meaning like right yeah. down the center. Right. Um, so, so bouncing that stuff down, if you're, uh, you know, excuse me, a four-track... Utilizing three tracks and bouncing down on the fourth one, it's all at the center, so it's. I guess it all it all kind of sounds pretty even. Yeah. But when stereo came out, yeah, it's like, I mean, even today, I was like on Spotify, like listening to some Beatles shit, and I was like, God, the drums are on the right. That's yeah, so everything's weird. thrown so weird. Well, real like Beatles audiophiles will say you, you got to go back and listen mono. to the mono. Oh yeah, well, for sure. D- Dylan's the same deal. Yeah. There's a there's a whole box set of it's called like the mono recordings where. You get you actually there is no blonde on blonde in stereo. Yeah, it's all mono. Yeah, they never even did that in stereo. But I, th- I think because I came up in the '90s, I sort of naively or dumbly preferred stereo because I assumed it was better. But yeah, if you if you talk to like real people who know what was up from '60s recordings, they they kind of swear by the mono. Oh, yeah. I, I, I've, I I know some in particular that like is obsessed with mono. Where, yeah. where do you stand on that? Do you do you have a thought on that? Um, I'm not an audiophile in terms of like Beatles listening. So, I mean, I would listen to the mono mixes because that's how they intended intended it. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about when you're mixing? Do you do the trick where you mix in mono? Yeah. So I'll, you know, start and put everything where I think it's supposed to go in the stereo field. But when it's time to ride the vocal or anything that's coming up the center, like vocal, uh, a guitar solo. Snare or snare and kicker up the center right yeah i mean you can judge where they are but i mean i'm talking about when you're actually riding something right you don't really ride a kick drum right. through a song right 
But if it's like the vocal or an electric guitar solo or whatever, I'll always collapse it to mono to make those rides because you can tell really where the vocal's sitting in the the whole music. So in your studio, for example, you have, I mean, I'm I'm looking, we're in the control room here Mm -hmm. at Smokestack. You have these two big guys that are on the far outside of the of the board. Yep. Then you have a couple of guys, smaller guys. Then you have the one the white speaker, speaker, and that's yeah. the mono speaker. So you yep. hit a button, it sums it all to mono. Correct. So you can make those decisions. Yep. And I guess what I've heard, and even being in here with you, is you get it into a sweet spot mono, then you kick the stereo, and it's like, whew, yeah. Like if you get it right in mono, yeah, it fucking slaps it's like, in stereo. It's like that moment where. Uh, you know, Dorothy wakes up and she sees color. Yeah, yeah. and mm. sees color for the yeah, first time totally. after the tornado. That's how it feels. It's insane. There's some. I mean, you know, obviously, like you know, none of us grew up in a time where like mono was the only option. But I listen to mono records, and like there are certain you know records that are, uh, you know obviously in stereo that especially if you listen to it with headphones on. Yeah, there's some about stereo that almost like you know depending on the record takes you on this journey where it's like yeah. all of a sudden you hear something over here. It's like. Well, here's my thing, and I like a I Pink still, Floyd record, for instance. I still want know? to go back mm-hmm. and talk about George Martin, but uh, when it comes to mono versus stereo, uh, wasn't that the label that mm-hmm. you were on at one point? At one point, yes. yeah. Uh, well, what's that? It was a record, a, a record label called Mono versus mono Stereo. Mono versus Stereo, yeah. When you're talking about mono versus stereo, you have to talk about Quad that came out for yeah, a that, minute. That didn't last long, though. Five point one. The quadraphonic and, and 5.1, yeah. And 5.1 was like in the late 90s, early Surround. 2000s. Yeah. And then now we're talking about Atmos, right? Right. Which is like the new big thing that's like here to stay forever. And I'm like, Just well, like all the other ones did. Just like 5.1, mm-hmm. just like quad. Just like Here's laser, the laser discs. Yeah. No one cares about mono anymore. You know why? Because we have two ears. Mm-hmm. No one cares about quad anymore. You know why? Because we have four ears. We had two ears. 5.1. It's cool when you're watching movies, but when it comes to music, we got two ears. Atmos, I've been uh, invited to several Atmos demos. It's really cool. It's a it's a shtick. Like I listen to a Beck song and his vocals like way over on the right top, and then it moves down to the bottom left, and it's great. I listen to Rocket Man, uh, Elton John, and this the slide when it's you know. <laughs> It just floats across. Literally floats across, and it's so amazing. But I'm st- I'm listening to it literally in a million dollar room at Blackbird. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have that kind of gear, then it gets lost. Well, you know what gear we have? Two ears and our iPod. You know, right? Headphones. We don't right. have iPods anymore. <laughs> what, what are they called? Those are AirPods. AirPod headphones. <laughs> sorry. Uh, my point being. There's nothing wrong with the technology, and I'm sure in at, if if movies ever come back where we're actually going to the theater and it's mixed in Atmos, that'd be amazing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for a little home theater, you know, uh, well, who's the girl you talk to in your house? Alexa. Uh, Alexa things that have multi-speaker setups. That's fine. I have to use Alexa to talk to my wife. Yeah. <laughs> Alexa, tell my wife I still love her. Yeah. <laughs> What does she say? Does not compute. Yeah. <laughs> Do not understand. But anyway, my, my she point, accidentally turns off the lights in my living room when I say that. So. <laughs> <laughs> my point being, I think that stereo is the ultimate 
companion to our human ears right mm-hmm. and there there True. won't ever be anything it's just so right. wild that when stereo happened they were so cavalier about it like yeah. this the, the stuff that i've read about beatles is you know they would all be involved with the mix for the mono like their new album right and then the label emi or whomever came in and said hey we need to mix everything for stereo stereo is a new thing we're doing it for the american audiences they would spend like half a day on it totally because they just thought it was bullshit yeah right and i will say being snobby about stereo my whole life the one record, and not to harp on this even more, but the one record that really opened my mind to mono is Blonde on Blonde. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You listen to Blonde on Blonde, I guess because in my mind, I think mono, everything's just down the center and there's no, I just assume it's not going to sound good, but Blonde on Blonde sounds like you are in a completely different world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how that works. I don't understand it, yeah. but it works. I'll have to go listen to it on headphones. I highly recommend yeah. that to anybody. So what did you want to say right. about George Martin? One George headphone. Martin, here's the thing. Because uh, I, I I had the same takeaway. Yeah. Uh, but I have a couple of things that I think might shed light on why he's not more presented in the documentary. One, you know, George has been around. It's It's been a short period of time, but a lot of music with the Beatles. And you think about... Most producers usually only last for at max two records, unless it's like a Brennan O'Brien, you know, Stone Temple Pilots or Black or the, Crows or the Nigel Godrich guy that does all of Radiohead right, right. or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's obviously exceptions to the rule, but, but mostly people move on. Mostly artists feel like, okay, we did what we were supposed to do. I need somebody new, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. And so, you know, you got to go back to the fact that the Beatles were the first at, at everything. You know, and obviously there's exceptions to that too. But for for the but point, they were, of, yeah, for the point yeah. of this conversation, you know, he is their uh, also label representative. You know, EMI, EMI right. records, and so because he worked for EMI, that's how he got kind of that's how he got the gig. That's totally. how the the dudes that ended up working with Dylan, they were just the mm-hmm. Columbia in-house producers, right? That right. got assigned to Dylan, right? And so. So it might be a situation where it's like creatively they went as far as they could go with, you know, uh, Magical Mystery Tour and, mm-hmm. and Sergeant, uh, Pepper. Sergeant Peppers. And then, well, their answer to that is, well, let's bring in a new engineer. But uh, uh, what's his name? George Martin still overseeing, right? Mm-hmm. you know. So it's not to say that he was always hands off. It right. might be that it's really hard to to keep pushing a band when you've done that many records together. Mm-hmm. And look at how much they grew in that time. Right. You look at you know the leap from "I Want to Hold Your Hand" to uh, across to back, the universe, to, back, or to across the universe, or back in the USSR, or Mother Nature's Son is so or or being for the benefit of Mr. Kite. It's crazy. Less, yeah. I mean, less than ten years. It, so yeah. it's it's almost like. If at the beginning yeah, it's he's like, seven like years. yeah, it's almost like if at the beginning he's like running beside them on the the bicycle with training wheels, making sure they don't fall off. At this point, they're on their bikes, no training wheels. They're running, and he's like looking on, saying, "You're doing good a good luck, job." Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like that's fly, more, bird, fly. <laughs> it's it's into the night. It's more of a parental role. Also, just the fact that. They had moved from Abbey Road to to Twickenham and then their own place. They don't. They no longer had access to Apple. I mean, not Apple. 
Abbey Road engineers. Like the gear. The EMI the, engineers. Yeah. Because like Jeff Emmerich was the one that did all the earlier stuff. Yeah. So their whole personnel is changing. Mm-hmm. And so them able to keep uh, George Martin as like- It was a constant. Yeah. Yeah. So- Another thing he also did too is he he facilitated their kind of, they would have these ideas. The famous story is that when they were recording Strawberry Fields Forever, they had a couple of takes that they liked the beginning of take right. five and they liked the end of take seven. Well, take seven was in a different key and a different tempo. Mm-hmm. And John's at the end of the day goes, well, can you just find a way to put them together? Yeah. And George is like, uh, I guess. They've never <laughs> done anything like this. Yeah. John leaves to go, do what Beatles do at night, which is probably have a really nice time in swinging London. And George Martin's like, okay, how do we do this? And he's in a room with his engineers doing shit no one's ever done where he's slowing the tape down to change the key. Yep. And he's splicing tape. Like the version of Starby Fields you hear together is a Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You go. I'm telling you, everyone pause this right now and go listen to that song in headphones. Okay. You, you would, it would be insane to know how they did that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Like George Martin did that. Oh, I'm John sorry. Lynn didn't do that. He didn't know how to splice tape. Yeah. I didn't hear you. I was over here listening to <laughs> Strawberry Fields. Well, you'll have to listen to the episode uh, to hear my. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. And uh, oh, there was something else I was going to say. Oh, the, oh the, the other reason why I think that he's not as presented in the doc, documentary is the whole purpose of this is no overdubs. We're playing live. Right. And so he's letting them work it out and rehearse as a band. Mm-hmm. They don't really need him for all that kind of stuff, right. like splicing yeah. things together. Because they're going to do it live. Yeah. There, there's a really interesting point where they're, I think they're doing Don't Let Me Down. And John's going, well, I think, I think we got it. And Paul goes, I haven't really quite worked out my thing yet. And John's like, you better figure it out, dude, because we're fucking crushing it. Yeah. And he didn't say it that way. Sure. my very 2000. I'm pretty sure that was the exact language that he used. <laughs> and we're fucking we're crushing, crushing, crushing it, bro. We're going to get some fish tacos <laughs> later, dude. Fuck yeah, man. Oh, man. Uh, one of my last takeaways as we begin to move on from this was is- Was this just um, an email that we're talking about? <laughs> we're on <laughs> a second email. One of the things that also struck me, um, it's interesting, I was talking to Bob Schneider about this the other day, and he was like, you know, the only thing that's really boring about it to me is all the cover songs. And I get it. When they're playing Chuck Berry songs, it's less interesting than when they're playing Beatles. Sure, right. of course, yeah. But what really struck me was like, I'm like, these motherfuckers know a lot of songs. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, the Hamburg days. We and stuff. we know about the Hamburg days. Like they 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 came up playing seven hours a night. You have to know obviously a lot of material to do that. But they hadn't. They're a long way away from Hamburg. Yeah, mm-hmm. they've been Beatles for a long time. You know, Beatlemania. They've made some of the best records ever. And then it was so interesting to see them sitting in a circle, which I don't think they did on a lot of the records before this. They're having fun, and one of them will start playing an old Buddy Holly song Mm -hmm. or or any of the Wap Wap Bop, and then you just see them come to life as that Hamburg band. You just see this weird joy spark through. And how about them remembering all those lyrics, melodies, turnarounds, changes? They're singing it like birds. They're playing it. And it's it's some of it's rough and tumble, but it's like... You just start to see the magic of them playing as a band. Yep. Mm-hmm. They're a band. Yeah, for sure. Uh, also, the fact they're all under 30 at that time. Under all, 30. The Beatles broke up before any of them had turned 30. That's insane. How about this? Uh, for all you musicians out there that want to work with me that have uh, an idea that you're going to come in and you know uh, waste a bunch of time and then work for two hours and then leave. 
How about the fact that they come in? They're just working. I mean, I, I know there's days where guys are late or whatever, but they come in 11 and they crank. They just work all day, all day, and they then run they cut songs off over and over at again. Dinner. And they were just really. I liked this aspect of it from the from them trying to like we we've, we've talked a lot recently. We're going to get into this masterclass thing because I really want to hear Paul's opinion about this. But <laughs> you know this idea that the Beatles masterclass. The, well, well, <laughs> this documentary is is the only masterclass yeah. you need. Yeah, it, it's in fact everything you need to know about how to write songs or be a band is is here. And what you really see is this thing that we, you know I've been harping on for weeks now, where it's like you're you're you have a block of ice. And you have an idea. There's, Paul even says at one point, they're playing Long and Winding Road. They've played it like 40 times. And he's like, it's still not what I hear in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, if you're an artist, you have a vision, you see or hear something in your head. And the work is just trying to carve out what yep. it is and mm-hmm. get it in the room that you're in. For sure. And I just love how committed they are to like playing it through. There's even sometimes where they do it jokingly where John will, they did two of us where John's saying the whole thing with clenched teeth. Yeah. yeah. To a <laughs> they're both doing it. And they're kind of joking with each other, but they're also turning it over. Yeah. They've got, I just think of it like clay in their hands. They're just turning it over. And the, I guess you can do that when you have the budget to be like, they have, yeah. money's not an option. Sometimes when we get into situations where in here, clock's running. Yeah. For sure, yeah. I mean, I wish I had all the time well, in the world. I keep world. that clock running, Bobby. You're really good about it. You're not a taskmaster <laughs> about that, but everyone's kind of aware of like, we have to really get to something really quick. Yeah. This documentary, you really see what it's like for a band to have a lot of freedom. Yeah. Yeah. You just hit on something that's really beautiful, man. Thank you. When, when, let's just leave it there. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> good night, everybody. When Paul says, it's just not how I hear it in my head yet. Yeah. But he's putting that pressure on himself. Yes. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you the amount of times in today's day and age that that gets put on you, where the artist says, "I just—it's just not how I hear it in my head." Yeah. And that's somehow my responsibility. And I just love their work ethic, man. Yeah. And that it's almost like, yeah, we have other—we have the George Martins and the the. Uh, uh, Ethan Johns or uh, not Ethan. Glenn Johns Glenn Johns his dad sorry Ethan uh, <laughs> and you've even got a John Lennon sitting across from you right like, even he can't really solve that problem it's for you it's so beautiful yeah man. it's great and and they'll even do takes where I'm like well that sounded like Beatles masterpiece shit to me and Paul's even going I don't know it's not yeah. it's not good it's, enough it's not there it's yet it's not right yeah so my hope is that there's a, an entire generation like my kids that are watching this right and that's their masterclass towards pulling them into music. It really is a bit of an indictment. It's it's almost a, it's, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it, it's an indictment. It's an indictment on how we've all become spoiled. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a challenge. Yeah. Because it's not like it's, <clears throat> it's not like it's, um, even I was even thinking about an album like Pet Sounds, which everyone sort of agrees is great even though I don't think most people know a lot of deep cuts on pet right. sounds, but it's like one of the greatest collections of songs ever. Sure. Let it be. Yeah. And they did it live with a lot of pressure. And they're, they're going to write weeks, and record yeah. this whole thing in a couple of weeks. It's culminating with some, t- they, they don't know if it's a TV show. Right. They don't know what it is. Their whole teams around them trying to like, they're like purchasing publishing catalogs and they're trying to figure out the film. They got people mm-hmm. up their ass about this and that while writing these, while songs. not losing their cool. Even when George quits the band, they're obviously upset. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you never really see, they'll just get Eric Clapton. You, 
<laughs> well, you start saying that, and George is like, I'll be right there. Yeah. I'll, I'll be, be right back. Yeah. So, you know what, man? I think uh, what was convicting to me about it is I, I, put a, I put a lot of stock on you got to get the first couple passes because that's where the that's magic is. That's where the magic is, is right? Mm-hmm. And it's been mostly true in my entire career. Right. Because what happens is an artist feels really inspired and things might not be really ironed out, but there's there's like a raw beauty with what's happening, yeah. right? And then the more they work on it and refine it, it loses that. Um, it starts to sound rehearsed. Yeah, or... it, it's the initial spark is gone, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. How many times did you watch them sing Let It Be before yeah. they tracked it? Right. They kind of they kind of turned that on its head a little bit, that idea. Yeah. To me, it's like almost irrelevant now after watching this one documentary. It's like they sang it a thousand times and then the 1001 is the one that we heard mm-hmm. for my entire life. So, to your point, I was thinking about myself and how, you know, how I live up or don't live up to this new Beatles standards we have. Right. As I was thinking too, like, I think I, I don't know if it's an insecurity or I don't know what it is, but if, if we're all together and I'm landing on something that I feel like is working, I'm just hunkered there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're work, if Ethan is working on a bass part, I'm not exploring different things. I found my thing. Right. right they yeah. don't really do that. Right. They find a thing and maybe it's working, but if, if Paul needs to keep exploring a vocal thing, John keeps exploring. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I definitely was challenged to lean into that more. Yeah. Right? And here's the last thing that we'll say. I think I said that maybe 40 minutes ago. Um, here's something really cool that I think is happening. Um, is this the conversation that I've been having the last two weeks with yeah. Ethan? You know, we've been, I was really looking forward to this today with Paul. Sure. Even my non-musician friends, were, a lot of texts are happening. I'm seeing a lot of engagement on social media. It's really fun to be in the year 2021 having... Like I feel like the world's kind of having a conversation about the Beatles right now, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it's pretty, in a really awesome. meaningful way. Oh yeah. And one of the things I said in this post I did today, what sparked that was my friend Hunter, who who is a musician and is a songwriter, but he doesn't he's not in the music industry anymore. Yeah. He works for the Property Brothers. You know, you guys know the yeah. Property Brothers. Oh yeah. yeah, sure. He's like high up in the graphic design. He's an artist on the show. Cool. He texted me today about this, and he was just kind of similarly blown away as we've been, wow. but coming at it from kind of outside. Mm-hmm. And uh, I told him, I was like, dude, I'm like kind of shocked by how profound this has been. Like every day I think about this documentary. Yeah. And uh, he was like, I'm so glad you said that. I, I didn't want to like play it up for myself. But like, he's like, it's really kind of blowing my mind too. Yeah, it's like, yeah, for sure. I know that there's some noise out there that it's long or it's tedious and or it's boring even. But man, I think for a lot of people, yeah, this it's is shape- real. It's shaping out Very, to be... Yeah not only a documentary about a band making music, but kind of about almost everything that's important in a way. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Does yeah. that sound too cheesy? No. no, not at all. And and I'll add to that to close this chapter and you can close this out. Okay. Ethan. Uh, I'm directing <laughs> the show now. Uh, somewhere, I wish I had it where I could pull it up, but there is a, a short video that shows what the footage looked like before Peter Jackson got it. Okay. Cleaned it up. It's un believable meaning it's it's really raw like how grainy and like, like shitty and unfocused it was and oh i did i did see something like that where it, i mean even like even, even color something. wise it doesn't even yes. look that it's it's it we would not be having these conversations if he hadn't 
added the life by taking the film and getting it to a point where it looks good on a 2021 screen. It, it feels like you're in a room with the Beatles. Totally. I, mean, I mean, it's 16 millimeter. It's like it's it's. They they worked. You want to talk about magic? The Beatles made magic, but they made magic in taking that footage and making right. it something. That, and I love that. To, I think to him that was the work. Was all the time that they spent making this footage watchable, and then not editing. Right the conversations and yeah. saying here it is yeah. mm-hmm. it's long but you get to see deal them. with it yeah yeah we're not telling you're, a story you're welcome. yeah you're fucking i yeah. could watch i could watch new chapters of this unfold because i think they said in the top of it it's 150 hours of audio 80 hours 80 of video, hours yeah. of video yeah. yeah that they amazingly got down to 10 yeah i could see i could have this unfold every sunday right another two hour thing yeah for the rest rad. of my life because I've I've read a lot of books about the Beatles. I've studied the Beatles. I I study the people that inspire me. Sure. Yeah. Most of us are stu- we're students. Yeah. Right? Talk about a master class. And uh, no book that I've ever read. I mean, I'm talking. I've read crazy long books about minutia. Of this yeah. Guy. There's a whole book called the Abbey Road Sessions where it's the it's the um maybe you can explain what this is. But when you when you make a record, you every little thing you do gets written down. Yeah. Uh. Today we recorded Lady Madonna, right. and the vocals we kept were take seven and eight, and we recorded a fucking flugelhorn on. Like <laughs> I've read that whole book. It's yeah. every Abbey Road day sheet yep. of their recording. None of that ever captured the way this has of like what they're like in a room together. Because, yeah. because and there's a just, lot of joy in it. Yeah, I love it's that. Literally yeah. just them. And you, your idea of it is everyone hated Yoko. The Beatles were breaking up. George was fed up. They were in Twickenham. It was a dark vibe. Mm-hmm. You watch it, it's it's them laughing a lot. Yep. Having a blast. They're, they're, the one scene that did make me cry, it's in the third chapter. They're in the playback room or something, and John and Paul start dancing with each other. Yeah. And they're like twirling each other around. It was awesome. Yeah. It was such a great moment. It was so sweet. Clint's gonna it's cry just right amazing now. how much joy is in it. Because you, you're the, the narrative of all these years is that John was this brooding guy yeah. under the fucking dark cloud spell of Yoko. It's like, right. no, he was just in love with a woman he loved. Yeah. We know what that's like. In fact, everyone knows what that's like. Yeah. Right. He wanted her near him. It's a little bit weird, but he was John Lennon. He's a little bit weird. Yeah. And it doesn't really seem like any of the guys have that big of a problem with it. Right. No, they don't. Well, there's even, I mean, the, the whole second episode starts off with Paul talking about it. Yeah. You know, he's talking about what you just said. He's just like, look, he's like, they're in love and they're inseparable and we have to respect that. Yeah. And at no point in, in, in this entire thing do you see Yoko leaning over going, hey, you should change the lyrics to no, this. No, I think the, she's a cool, it's cool uh, I know that She's her, like a reader in the newspaper half the time. I know that her singing is, is it's, it's an acquired taste. Something, yeah. <laughs> she was a concept artist. And when, when the boys weren't really working, they did some far out classic Ono band shit. Right, right. And you can see John's real excited about it. He's like, oh my God, did you guys record that? That yeah. was amazing. We're going to put that in the film, blah, blah, blah. Again, a glimpse into the future. Yeah. 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 There's one more question I want to ask Clint, but I think it's going to open up another 10 Let's minutes. open it up, baby. We're still only, what, uh, two emails in? Or? Yeah. This is why I love Tangent City, though, by the way. Okay. Let's open it up. So Metallica, 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 James Hetfield and Metallica. Okay. One more question. I'm ready. What are your thoughts on how this would have played out if Brian Epstein were still alive? Okay, I can answer that, I think. I'm going to shoot from the hip. Okay. So for people who don't know, Brian Epstein was the Beatles' manager. Right. He was a very, very important figure. He got them together. 
in a time where they were really green, really young, maybe really wild. He always wore the suit. He mm-hmm. was he was somehow for his age very wise and very put together and definitely a father figure. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, for He's sure. one of the great managers of all time because yeah. he managed the Beatles. Well, and and for context, a lot of people would say when he died, that was the end of the Beatles because they couldn't handle all of the stuff outside of music. Right. When he died, there was a vacuum of leadership mm-hmm. that someone had to step into, and it was Paul. It, yeah. it was always going to be Paul. Right, yeah. Now, Paul, I don't think, wanted that job. No. I and I think that him taking on that role caused a rift that would ultimately break the Beatles up. Um, and, you know, he died in 66. So, post-66, you see a lot of weird stuff happen. They opened up Apple, which mm-hmm. was like a clothing boutique and also a record label. They were fucking hemorrhaging money. Yep. They made Magical Mystery Tour, which is a great album, but a, kind of a failed experiment. They get lost. Yeah. You, there's a lostness to the Beatles post sure. Brian Epstein. Yeah. So if you got Brian in the picture, I don't know if you even get to a let it be scenario where they're like, I think the, I think the project itself was a symptom of lostness. Mm-hmm. Them trying to get something together. They were trying to do, that's why, dude, that's why they're, one of the coolest things about the documentary is they're like, are we going to be able to write new songs for this? Let's just, and they start digging <laughs> right. into the Lennon McCartney shit from when they were kids. That's yeah. why you get one after 909. Yeah. yeah. Says you're driving on the one after 909. Mm-hmm. Yep. But how about all the songs that they play that's like Lennon McCartney from their past that I've never even heard? Yeah. And how fucking cool were all those songs? It's super crazy. Yeah. It's so weird to see. So I think that in that lostness, they were like trying to dig back to Corman days. Dig yeah. back. <laughs> dig back where you once with. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think. I think the Beatles splitting and becoming their own personalities was inevitable, but yeah. maybe they last a little yeah. longer with Brian. I think you're right. I think just think there's less lostness because yeah. they needed a Papa Bear. Right. Yeah. yeah. They needed a James Hetfield. <laughs> they need a Phil they Towel. They need a Papa Het. All right. So Ethan, we're going to kick it to you to in, to land the Beatles plane so we can move on. It's up to you. Well, How are you going to do it? I'm 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 ang- I'm getting popcorn. What just is it now. in uh, some kind of monster? One word. Uh, he's like uh, he's like it's I think it's Zane Lowe isn't it isn't it Zane and he's like he's like uh, eight albums ten years yeah yeah is it Zane Lowe yeah I think so and he's like give me one word to describe Metallica and then they do like a hard edit (laughs) well he like he can't answer it yeah Uh, well listen I I, listen uh, you've heard us gush about this documentary if you're if you're a musician obviously you're going to connect to it maybe on a different level um but dip into it because, I mean, it's very inspiring whether you're a musician or an artist of any kind or you have any passion in your life because that's what I see in this documentary is a whole lot of passion, a whole lot of love for each other. Um, and That's uh, Led Zeppelin. Oh, yeah. that's right. Well, so <laughs> what do you they, guys, they, like, they walked up the stairway to heaven. What do you guys say to people who, there's people who really just don't know. Like Dave Ferraro texted me or he tw- tweeted at me today. He was like, if you'd have told me a week ago that I'd be this into this Beatles thing, I would have told you you're out of your fucking wow. mind. Mm-hmm. So you got well, people who just don't know. Here's what you tell them. Sean Keith says, it's the Beatles, some kind of monster. But is it though? It's not. That but is, What do you guys you say to the people though who play this game of like, I don't like the Beatles? Uh, I'd say that you because have. Because I, 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 don't, I, don't, I, don't, I would say forget the documentary, just listen to the Beatles. I would say you have no soul and good luck on this earth. I take a pretty hard line on it. Like, I like a band called the Dave Matthews Band. Did you guys know that? 
Dave. I'm just curious. The DMB. Because Dave Matthews. Now, if someone tells me they don't like Dave Matthews, I, it, it's almost of no concern to me because sure. I understand. Right. It's like Ethan. You kind of grew up with Anthrax and Megadeth. Sure. So, in some ways, you you know you're you're positively doomed to that. Mm-hmm. You can't understand why it's weird to me. Maybe I mean, or you don't care that it's weird to me. With the Beatles, though, I do take a hard line. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Like, if, if if a musician in Nashville tells me that Ringo's not a good drummer, it's almost like a conversation ender. I'm not even going to yeah. argue with it. Yeah. It's a friendship ender. Because it's so dumb. Well, they're just repeating something that they've heard. Yes. Yeah. We, we, yes. Similar to, similar to the, 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 the whole Yoko Ono bullshit thing, Similar right? to the whole, you know why people hate the fucking Eagles? Because of the big Lebowski. Yeah. And... And I resent that. And, yeah, I would agree. The Eagles are awesome. But... Same thing's going to happen right now with the Get Back, which is why, for, for those of you at home, we were all texting about how, how much should we talk about the Beatles on this Metallica <laughs> Me and Ethan were ready to go. Dude. Ready to go, man. And Well, I think we went there, bro. <laughs> we did. Fast uh, train to downtown Tangent City. And I was kind of down on it because I was like, look, man, this is all... I'm seeing, you know, friends of mine that on Instagram are commenting about their take on the get back documentary when I've, they're really good friends and I'm a massive Beatles fan and we've never had one conversation about the Beatles. Those aren't your real friends, Paul. No, you. but you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's culturally cool right now to, to like, to slam it. No, no, just to even oh, to be into, or to, even to, have to, comment, just to comment, to, to just say, Oh, I'm in on the same thing. Everybody else is in. Here's my thoughts on the documentary. Gotcha. Right. It's like the it's a it's a conversation happening in culture right now yeah. because of this film. Right, it's like when the Matrix came out when we were kids. <laughs> well, and there's a new one coming out. Now. Well, but you know what I mean. Like oh, yeah. everybody was like, "Here's my take on the Matrix." Right. Yeah. It's like a water cooler moment. Yeah. Okay. Here's my take on the Matrix. By the way, <laughs> let me tell you. Let me tell you how Matrix One ends. Oh gosh. Neo realizes he's the one. He stops bullets. He gets in the phone booth. He wakes everybody up, and then he flies into the clouds like Superman. The end. And then they made two more films. Yeah. About what? Making money. Well, they're making another one. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And or it's made. Dude, The Matrix is a standalone film. Yeah. Agreed. <sighs> okay. Um, our next email. <laughs> Great friend of the show, Angelo <laughs> Gonzalez. He says, Clinton, Ethan, and we're going to have to cue Ethan. Another one. We're going to have to cue some graduation music here. All right. Because we have a graduation speech that Angelo wrote. He says... The dictionary defines success as the accomplishment of an aim or purpose. I define success as what you've accomplished over the last three episodes of Metal Up Your Podcast. I wanted to drop this note to congratulate you both, the Metal Up Your Podcast class of 2021, for fulfilling the minimum requirements of the Metallica Masterclass (laughs) this year. Your commitment to the last three episodes has finally paid off, and you now have the tools you need to become the next Metallica the future is so bright! I love it. If I could offer just a few pieces of advice as you move on to the next chapter in your lives, post-Metallica Masterclass, it's this. Always follow your passions. Don't be afraid of failing. And perhaps the most important thing to remember is don't waste the education you've received. Cherish it. Always believe in yourselves. Go and live your lives. You are the future! I'm going into JFK. Yeah, you are. <laughs> this is your commencement day. You have the education. Now go and get the experience. Here's to you, Metal Up Your Podcast class of 2021. And remember, have fun always. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah!
Damn, man. Throw your hat, dude. Throw your hat. Dude, the tassel's over yeah. here. Woo. Rotate that tassel. <sighs> well, thank you, Angelo from Houston, Texas. That's amazing. Wow, that was, that was fantastic. That. So yeah. good. Who's up next? Uh, I'm up next, and our next email is from Daryl Fryers. New patron, by the way. New patron. Thank you, Daryl. Thank Darryl. you, Daryl. Anyway, uh, about the Beatles. <laughs> so, listen. Okay, uh, go for it. Have you seen Get Back? I just watched it. Really? I'm dying to talk about <laughs> Dude, it. Dude, <laughs> I just finished it too. We should really mention it. Uh, Daryl says, I've been a loyal follower for about three years and a patron for most of that. Uh, so I guess not a new patron. He's been on the ride for oh, a while. Oh, I think he got back on the ride. Okay, fair enough. Hey, you got get, get on back? the train. He get, get back? He, get, he got back to where he once belonged. Have you seen Jojo. that Jojo. Did you guys know there's this new Peter Jackson documentary yeah. about the Beatles? Peter, the, who did Lord of the Rings? Yeah. Oh my exactly. gosh. I, I, gotta check, I gotta check that out. The Beatles recorded Let It Be in New Zealand. What? <laughs> uh, anyways, he says... Um, the carpet lo- did look... <laughs> 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 he said, I've loved every minute, especially Tangent Cities and the Deep Cut Dives. Well, here we are. Welcome downtown. Hey, yeah. Uh, the detail you Welcome put into downtown. breaking... And breaking down the songs makes me appreciate Metallica that much more. Not to mention your outstanding musicianship. Thank you for continuing to bring amazing content every week, even while touring. Now that's a masterclass. Thank you, Daryl. I agree yeah. that we weekly, especially when Moki Moke's involved, <laughs> right. present a masterclass. I mean, listen, we, we, can, we can give you the tools, give you the lessons. It's up to you to take, take that forth into the world. For when you carve the goose from ice, you must simply carve away from the ice that which is not goose. <laughs> <laughs> there seems to be a lot of people uh, associating you two with Masterclass. Well, we did three episodes in a row where we watched that shit. We're going to get into it. Oh, I listened to them all. You did? Dude. I never know. I never know. I don't as assume. A, I don't as, assume you listen. Paul's as an honorary it. host, <laughs> you, it's your to, duty. I, I can't come in. Imagine Ask not what metal up your podcast can do for you. Ask what you can do for metal up your podcast. Imagine if I came in here and Ethan busted into Torben, and I was like, "What's that? What are you doing?" Who's I have to guy? stay up on. And I was like, "Hey, Paul." And you're like, "Why are you doing Marge Simpson?" That's- so, Paul. So, having listened to the last three episodes, yeah. Do I come off like the biggest asshole ever or no. what? I think I think you uh you said it in the last episode. You and I'm paraphrasing you, but I'll be the guy that goes where everybody wants to go but won't say it. Yeah. You know? A forerunner perhaps. I did say that. Yeah. <laughs> you you said things that most everybody thinks. Yeah. Uh is this the point where I give my two cents on? Let's get into class? it. Let's get into it. So you know, we we burnt the master class down, right? And and to be fair, I don't have one hundred eighty dollars or bones uh, <laughs> that I'm willing. Have more than one hundred eighty bones <laughs> in there, actually. That I'm willing to throw towards that master class right now. I was kind of hoping that y'all give me the passcode, but I haven't seen it, so I don't feel like I can only comment on. What I've heard you two say about it, right. which I feel like is also worth listening to, because which we we burn it down together, and, yeah. And, yeah. and when we burn it down, like we watched it in earnest, yeah, yes, we did. And yeah. can I say my favorite part of it was when you'd say like, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna go watch part uh, five. We'll be right back." And the little James, uh, ooh yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah. My favorite one was <laughs> the TikTok. It was so good. I mean, those really those were meant to be in there. Yeah, little bumpers. Yeah, it made me smile. 
Well, I'm, hey, listen, if we can put a smile on Paul Muck's face, then our work here is yeah. done. All right, so how are we going to approach this? I think they did their best. Yeah, sure. But I think ultimately what the task was was to describe something that's indescribable. Yeah. Um, well, that's not their fault. It's not their fault. Uh, it's not their fault, but um, I, do, I do think it didn't succeed. I don't, I, don't, I don't think it was a master class. I think it was them. I think they, I think they took several achievements of their career Master of Puppets, one, mm-hmm. the Black Album, Inner Salmon. And I think they sort of described what happened, but I don't think they provided a lot of like educational value sure. for how to do it or well, recreate it. And, and I think to your point, I agree, not having seen it, but I think I've kind of seen it just by mm-hmm. uh, knowing what it is, viewing similar stuff, and then hearing you guys talk about it. You're right when you say, uh, how did I write, you know, whatever song, Master Puppets? Mm-hmm. You can't answer that question. Right. Because it's not yours to write. It came out of the yeah. ether. It's like a gift you know? almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And uh, in the last episode, was it Dylan you were saying? Someone asked him, how did you write? And he uh, said, I don't know. Yeah, and he said, "I don't know." Someone asked him how he wrote "Blowing in the Wind." Yeah, and that he, is the correct answer. But he to that and he question. thought about it. He he did yeah. it. He wasn't being cagey. He paused. And, yeah, you guys should check it out. It's it's his sixty minutes interview from two thousand four. He closed, so, he closes his eyes and he thinks about it. And he goes and he's just being totally honest. He goes, "I don't know." Yeah, yeah. Uh, so truth. to be truth. devil's advocate to that, I was thinking uh, another question that you asked just to continually prove that I listen to this podcast outside of <laughs> me being on here is you kept asking, who is this for? Yeah. Right? Right. Yeah. And uh, I kept thinking back to, I was involved in this uh, program a couple of years ago that is designed to show everyone in the music business what everyone else's job in the music business is. Okay? That's cool. Yeah. So, like, I was in the same class with an A&R guy, with a manager, with Mm -hmm. a booking agent, with a publicist and there was about 40 of us. Right. And we had these program days. And so one program day would be about, uh, what it's like to, uh, be a booking agent. And so you spend the whole day learning how, how does booking a band work? How does live promotion work? What is AEG and live nation mm-hmm. and who owns these venues? And what are how, promoters? And- yeah. How do they promote? Right. Who's paying for all this? Right. When you when you buy a ticket on Ticketmaster, what are those extra fees that we don't know what they are, right? Yeah. And we're learning all this stuff, and it's amazing, right? And then comes Studio Day, right, where we're supposed to learn how the magic happens, and it, it was impossible for me to be in there watching someone try to explain it to these other people. And being like, yeah, but this is this is not getting to the essence of what it is. You're talking about the mechanics of making a record. Yeah, you go in a room and there's a compressor and, and an EQ mm-hmm. and, and you set up a microphone. And we have the band and they yeah. record the you song. You could describe. And, yeah, totally. And I feel like there's just some certain things in life that there's there's more of a spiritual essence to it than the physicality of what's actually happening. And you can talk about the physicality of what's actually happened, 
the steps you take to make a recording, but the the spiritual part of it, the magical part of it, you can't really convey. Yeah, it just happens. Right. Yeah, and it's it's impossible to describe. And so I went through this class, and then when we graduated, it was my job to teach the next class on the recording day of what it was like to record. And you just said, I don't know. And, (laughs) and (laughs) I, it was extremely frustrating because all we could really offer them was the experience of how a record gets made, but not really what makes it good and what makes it meaningful. Right. And all the things that are attractive to us about records. So anyway, I say that to say, with the master class, there is an audience for it. It's not anyone that's in the creative realm, in my opinion. It's like people that it'd be, it'd be like if I was going to watch a master class, I get an ad on my Instagram about one about cooking brisket. <laughs> I think that would be interesting <laughs> to me. Sure, but I think the guy at Martin's Barbecue would probably be like, "That's total bullcrap." Yeah. yeah, you yeah, know, totally. So that's like, my take on. I like I like the use of the word spiritual. I think across the three of us that word might be nebulous or be different things to us. Mm-hmm. But what I like about it that's unifying is it's a great word for, you know, I don't actually believe in magic. At the end of the yeah, day- it comes from somewhere else. At the end of the day, you, you write it, you know? It, at the end of the day, really, it just sort of came from your brain, but you don't know why it occurred to you. Right, right yeah. But the idea of it, it's like saying, uh, you know, the sun doesn't move, we revolve around the sun, but there's something beautiful about saying the sun sets. Mm-hmm. The sun rises. I saw a beautiful sunrise. Right, right, right. right. And it, it, I love the idea of it being a spiritual thing. It really is. Yeah, yeah. For sure. In my experience. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can, I can, it's like what we said on the, on the podcast. I can describe for you what happened. I can tell you, I can give you a sequence of events. Right. But I can't really teach what transpired. Yeah. Because it's mysterious. It is, yeah. And I remember Tom Petty saying, he was describing this. Remember, did you guys read that book, In Conversation with Tom Petty? Yeah. I have yeah. Great book. It's right yeah. after uh, Highway Companion came out. Cool. Yeah. And he goes, I hesitate to try to discover what it is because I'm afraid if I do that, it'll go away. Yep. Mm. Yeah. I don't want to wow. chase the magic away by like codifying it. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Or P- Peter Frampton. Uh, <laughs> the great Peter yeah. Frampton. Well, like love him <laughs> or hate him. Your neighbor he's right over there. He wrote Baby I Love Your Way and Do You Feel Like I Do in the same day. Whoa. And in the one, same day? One in the morning. Damn. And one... At night when he was going to what bed. What a good day for him. <laughs> and so, yeah, for that's real. A good Jesus. Day for Peter Francis. So, what he's, he's said is he said, I spent decades trying to figure out, well, what did I eat? Which side of the bed did I wake up on? Oh, yeah. How can I make this happen again? And then he realized, you can't. I can't. It's, yeah, you it's can't. a spiritual thing. Yeah. You know, man. Both the songs in one day, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. But here's the thing here's, the, here's my rub on that. You can't, you can't charge people 180 bucks to go. It's a spiritual thing, and I don't know. Yeah. Right. And that's what rubs yeah. me about the Metallica. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with right. You. It, it, to, to push back on that just a little bit, is it just a we live in a content age now? And to be relevant, they got to keep putting out content. Masterclasses mm-hmm. are popular. Yeah. You know, Scor- didn't Scorsese do one? A lot of creepy. Hans Zimmer, uh, David, David, Lynch. David Lynch did one. Scorsese so did one. Why, why shouldn't they? Yeah, why shouldn't? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. Because I bet if we watched any of those, the thing that's missing from all of it is 
the spiritual element of this came from outside of me. Right. And you can do all the mu- the muscle things that I've done that I'm teaching you in this, but what you can't, maybe that's what they should say at the beginning. You know how like there's like an FBI warning at the yeah, beginning? Don't, don't <laughs> yeah, don't copy this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it should say like, warning, there is a uh, spiritual or magical element to creating anything worth value where people see humanity in art that is outside of everything we're about to teach you. And so ultimately all of this is just so that we can spend your $180 (laughs) and then go into the thing. Would you be happy then? I would love that. Okay. Because then then it would be like, look, we're on the same page. Mm -hmm. If you guys just want a little peekaboo into, I can tell you the day I wrote the lyrics of Master Puppets, we can have a good time because the value, there was a lot of value in like just seeing James Hetfield talking that way about what he did. Um, I guess I just resent the idea of it being a class for students and here's how you can recreate this magic. Right. To take us to break, I will say my favorite thing about the master class is your so accurate depiction of Kirk Hammett taking off in a, a, a prop plane. Oh, I just yeah. wanted to get down safely. It just No no turbulence. Just get like, down safely, dude. Just land. I don't care if everybody in this plane throws up into their little doggy bags on the way down <laughs> we just have to land this oh, oh yes and then every time he lands i'm just so relieved and i'm like please don't <sighs> please don't take off again for a minute he did it he did it he did it hey everyone clinton ethan here and we want to tell you about a little thing called patreon Patreon is an easy and interactive way to support the people who make the things that you love. For as little as five bucks a month, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast can continue to grow in quality and content. That's equivalent to a cup of coffee or a beer once a month. Not only is it easy and affordable, but we've made it a priority since day one to give back to our Patreon community. We've given away deluxe box sets, rare vinyl, black and whiskey, concert tickets to SM2 and Slane Castle, all four of our Cover Our World Black and EPs, 26 quarantine covers, and Lunar Satan demos, invitations to exclusive Zoom happy hours, the ability to ask our guests like Jay Weinberg of Slipknot, Lizzie Hale, and members of the Metallica crew your very own questions, and eligibility for our Metal Tale series where you can be a guest on Metal Up Your Podcast. And tell us all about a notable Metallica show you've been to. Subscribe to Patreon today and immediately get access to years worth of bonus content. Thank you for supporting the people who make the things that you love. Peace. Adios. I can't talk about it anymore. It's giving me a headache. Here, take two of these. Ah, new print. Little, yellow, different. All right, our next email, Paul's going to read. Right on. There was one other thing I wanted to bring up about the Beatles. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So Ringo. Dude, honestly, I know all joking aside, I could continue talking about the Beatles. I could too. But I won't. Yeah. Okay. Maybe okay. that's why I got tired because we stopped talking about the Beatles. <laughs> Dude, that's... Yeah. That's your like, that's your cocaine. Uh, show's over. Well, well, why don't you guys help me out with this uh, sweet woman's name? Joanna Grabarek. Grabarek. Yep. Okay. What's up, guys? Oh, I think that's you. No, that's what. What's a what's a brothers? Oh, if it's guys, it's fair. It's game. just normal. What's up, guys? <laughs> there you go. Perfect. <laughs> How could I not write to let you know, honey? Please, that today was the day when I fell in love with Cover Our World Black and Volume One and Two. 
You guys are the bee's knees and the llama's pajamas. Nice. No big deal. Awesome covers. And a special thanks for the cover of Unnamed Feeling. For the first time, I could listen to it without feeling, without the feeling of unease or trepidation and feel the power of Mr. James, Jamie, Jams Jr., Senior Junior Esquire's lyrics. That's his full name. Gotta get it right. I cried. His lyrics are life. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And more please. Lots of love from Manchester, UK, wow. New Jersey. I know. We do have right. a plan for cover our uh, cover our world Valkans having a stroke. Cover our world black in volume five. I know. It's crazy. When we, was the last time a cover our world came out? Christmas of twenty nineteen. Nineteen. All right, that's a shame. So it's it's been almost two years. Yeah. Wow. What have you guys been doing? Well, we had this thing called a pandemic, and uh, yeah. we actually that would have been a great time to do it. Yeah. We were home a lot. Well, we did twenty six well, quarantine covers, and y'all did, both yeah. wrote records, and we, we wrote both records. Made, we both yeah. made albums. Yeah. I actually put out two albums. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the idea that we had for the next one was going to be, because first of all, how have you not been on any of these? Uh, it's insane. Well, waiting on a there's, phone? Been, there's hey, been some rad ideas let's, floating around. Uh, let's, here's a, here's the sound of me waiting on a phone call from you guys okay. about Crickets. doing Cover Our World Blacken. You ready? Yeah. Well, we had the idea for the next one to be a lot of guests. And one of our ideas was that you would do your piano version of The Unforgiven. Done. And maybe well, if, there's one we, of the if, songs. We, if we can afford it, maybe we could uh, maybe record the whole thing here. Sure. Well, I didn't know. That's actually a new idea to me. Yeah. I just thought of it. How bitching would that be? <laughs> well, that's Dude, a lot to put on Paul right now. What if we put those... Can we record the whole thing here for free? It's only if we put those two little <laughs> pieces of floor <laughs> pieces of underneath everything that, guys, that we record. Yeah. I mean... Have you, I mean, have you tried, since you've got these pieces of wood from one by one, have you tried to put it like under the snare drum Here, look, and mic it up? Do I sound like James if I slide the, it's under me now. Ooh. Ooh you are yeah. the table. Damn. You are the table. I mean, look, there's like a one in probably five chance that his, or less than that. There's probably a one in two chance that James Hetfield's foot was right here. I'm definitely not the host to do the math on that. <laughs> I heard you like doing math. <laughs> I like to do spiritual math. Yeah. Pretty good at that part. Spiritual math? Dude, um, Paul and I were talking the other day because Paul was mixing some stuff from Morgan and we were here and we were kind of vibing on, and I, I put this under the column of spiritual math. And I was telling you, I could walk into my house from two weeks on tour and we have various bookshelves in our house because we're, we're readers. Right. Well read. And... Uh, I'll notice immediately if a book's gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've talked about this. Yeah. It might not be a book I'm even wanting to read. I may have already read it, but if it's gone, I'm like, I walk in and something's not right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. The feng sure. shui is off. And I'll try to figure it out, and I'll I'll just immediately hone in. I'm like, there. Where'd my Neil Young book go, or whatever? Yeah. yeah. And my wife would be like, Oh, your mom was here watching Nova, and she borrowed it. And I'm like, Well, cool. Just let me know because I knew. And Paul, you were saying you'll come into the studio, <laughs> and in Paul's studio. Everywhere you look, there's something inspiring. You know, we've got the Last Supper, and there's a lot of really cool religious imagery and um, um, gear for fucking days. But you were saying you'll come in and you'll see the one light in the far back of the studio that's out. Yeah, you're like what the fuck's going on? You know, <laughs> yeah. you won't say that language, yeah. but you know what I mean. And uh, he might. That's doing spirit. That's spiritual math. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I'll be like, "What is that?" And they're like, "What, what are you talking about?" And I'll walk for a hundred yards. Right. To a Christmas light that's out. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
And I'll be like, oh. And, and I, I, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but there's part of you that probably can't really feel totally right until that's corrected. Oh, yeah. That's, that one light's got to be corrected. Mm-hmm. You know what my favorite thing to do is? Is come in when there's no one else in here. And then, like, do all the stuff that I'm embarrassed that anyone would know. Like, I move this lamp yeah. just a little bit that just way. Just get it right. Just to get everything you back to the way it's supposed at to your, be. At your spot. Yeah. What's your version of spiritual math? Do you have a, are uh, you fastidious in a, in a strange uh, way? I know yours. I know yours, dude. Okay. If the, if the guitar is not intonated. Ethan got so hard. <laughs> well, that one. <laughs> If there's a fret, if there's a fret buzz on the A string, yeah. hey, listen, in the world of Paul Dude. McCartney, like it, it wasn't sounding like it was in my head. Yeah, no, Ethan came in one time, and I he had he had like an older brother sent me a link to eBay. Actually, I think he might have bought me some some vinyl, uh, the plastic sleeves. Yeah, that was, that, that, was, that was your birthday present. That sounds yeah, like yeah. Ethan. That sounds like yeah. something Ethan would do. Such a generous gift. Oh yeah. Well, dummy over here didn't put them on the right way. Okay. And he comes over and he's like, no, you have, you have this all wrong, dude. You have to put them in from the top because it'll bunch all up. And he had all these explanations. It was one, it was really just one explanation. And I was like, <laughs> but, but, everybody's right, but yeah. you were hardcore about it. And I, I was, was, I was doing you a favor, but you know, but I was already halfway through my vinyl collection. Like I'd done like 200 records. Right. Yeah. And well, I was like, I don't want to fix all of these. And then he left. And I pulled a record out and I started to put it back and it got bunched up exactly like how he said. And I was like, shoot, I got to do all these records. And then you're like, um, assistance, yeah. come forth, please. <laughs> um, interns, please yeah. coagulate. Please take the outer <laughs> sleeve of every record. No, I don't you know what it record. was? I got on my email and I got that latest uh, inquiry from that Blackbird student. And I was like, Yes, we do have a position for you. <laughs> we it's do. Fixing and all of here's my your first job is to <laughs> repackage all of my vinyl. Is that really a thing that you have access to? Of like a you you have like a, a full sale type uh, intern uh, well, we wanting do. to crack into the oh yeah we do internships with all the major colleges around here right and Blackbird is probably the one that I get the most requests from because I teach a class and they come over here a master class. Um, I would say that it's like, what's one level below master? Below ma- an apprentice. An apprentice class. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's got to be something in between apprentice and master. A pre-master class? Um, yeah. Like a adjunct? No? Oh, okay. Like, adjunct, know? yeah. Uh, uh, it's definitely an adjunct okay. class. Right. Okay. Yeah, I feel yeah. qualified to say that. <laughs> adjunct class? <laughs> But we've been doing the spiritual math for years now. That's what we yeah. do here. Yeah. I mean, we're artists. We're musicians. We don't. You give me an abacus. You give me a decibel right. Dewey system. I'm not, I'm gonna wipe my butt with it. I don't understand it. <laughs> totally. But the spiritual math. Like here's the deal. I'm super introverted. You're probably learning this about me on the road. Extremely introverted. Yeah, sure. But I can walk into a room and size up the whole room. And if I need to turn a thing on to, right. gre- to grease wheels, I'll do it. No sure. problem. It yeah, for exhaust sure. me. Yep. But I can I can pretty quickly size up. An emotional sitch. That's yeah, spiritual right. math. Yeah, for sure. There Plain and go. simple. It's a gift God gave me mm-hmm. a long time ago, yeah. 38 years ago. And having said that, I'll read the last email. <laughs> <clears throat> Jonathan Scheisler writes and says, Dear graduates. Dun, 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 <laughs> he says, A few points crafted of I for you to ponder. I, I think this is a medieval guy. Crafted of I for you to ponder as I henceforth to cry my thoughts and platitudes regarding the class of masters bequeathed by the mightiest metal lords okay i can't read this whole thing in that guy <laughs> he says number one 
the Wells Luck Masterclass, and he says the free version via the last three episodes <laughs> of the podcast, provided more value to aspiring musicians and bands than the $180 version you provided commentary on. Bravo. Agreed. Number two, he says if Marty, presumably Marty McFly, yes. yep. went back to 1981, picked up Lars and James with Lars sitting on James's lap in the passenger seat of the DeLorean, and took them to 2021 and made them watch the Masterclass by Metallica, they would slowly see the 2021 versions of themselves fade away by episode three. <laughs> in the Polaroid? He yeah. says, it, yeah, like the enchantment yeah. under the sea dance. Yeah. He says the break in the space-time continuum would be caused by the fact that if the 1981 or even 1983 version of Metallica lived by some of those masterclass lessons, mostly the touchy-feely things, they would not exist in 2021, at least in any recognizable form. The friction, the bravado, the handshake deals... Hard to quantify how much that contributed to their success. Hmm. Number three, upon returning to 1983, Dave Mustaine would promptly remind Marty, hindsight's always 2020. Yeah. <laughs> and that Where we're pa- going, we don't need roads. <laughs> now make like a tree and get out of here. Make like a tree and rust in peace. <laughs> You're a slacker, McFly. Your dad was a slacker. Okay. Calvin Klein. <laughs> it's written all over your underwear. <laughs> I hate manure. <laughs> he says on a more He's seri- a peeping tongue. <laughs> <laughs> it's your cousin. Wait, what's it? It's your cousin, Marvin Berry. You know that <laughs> new sound you're looking for? Well, listen to this. <laughs> your parents are going to love it. <laughs> okay. He says on a more serious note, your commentary on imposter syndrome is applicable to many, and it was refreshing to hear your take on that topic. It can strain relationships and career success for sure, especially in academic research where it is a never-ending cycle of being judged by your peers, which is a necessary part of how we compete for funding and disseminate our findings. I'm incredibly fortunate that my job is also my passion, which he's in science, the field of science. Cool, cool. He says, much like you two, but damn, it is hard-ass work, but well worth the payoff in life happiness. Hmm. Rock on, ye merry gentlemen. From Jonathan, on the lookout for Libyan terrorists with plutonium. Sitting outside Twin Pines Mall, Hill Valley, New Jersey. Nice. One of the best sign-offs yeah. uh, we've pretty ever had good, right there. Pretty good email in general, but yes. Well, thank wow. you, Jonathan. We met Jonathan at Cat's Cradle in- That's right. Carborough, North Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah. That's right. You know what? He, he hints at something that you guys hinted at. I think you did. Okay. Uh, about right. the master class that is a, a thing I'd like to bring up. For just a hot minute, hot go on. Take. Please okay. do go on. Little hot take before Ethan falls asleep over there. So if, if the <laughs> sorry, what if the if the premise is this is all that we've learned in our forty years of being a band, and and with our hindsight of being able to look out at our career, if you do these things, then you'll be successful. Is that the premise? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. The argument would be: Is what's so good about the earlier Metallica records, the result of them not having those tools to coexist, like almost the tension that exists between them that they have to work out in the end is actually the thing that's driving the music that's, on the front end. That is the 100% like irony of it all. Yeah, exactly. Is that the very things that they're trying to teach and pass on are the things that they've learned through t- 40 years. Those Those things aren't how they did arguably their greatest work. Right, exactly. Their greatest work was kind of born of this very raw punk. Mm-hmm. And they made a lot of mistakes. Right. I mean, they they probably 
permanently fractured their friendships and relationships. Right. But, you know, it's a long way to the top if you want to fucking rock, rock and, and roll, roll, dude. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And is that the price of art, you know? Can anyone make art from a comfortable, from the place that Metallica's sitting in now? Now? Like, think about how hard they have to work to get something like Hardwired. I think they've proved they can. They've done it. You know, mm-hmm. they made Hardwired, which I think is it's awesome. as good as any album at that stage of any band. Sure. But, but it, it had to take all the tools that exactly, they've learned. Exactly. That's, I think what Jonathan is hitting on and what I was trying to say through those three episodes, it's an unteachable thing. Right. And to retroactively try to shoehorn all that into what made their magic is like mm-hmm. almost an affront to the process. Yeah. Well, it make, you know what it makes me think of? And I think that you'll connect. Sorry, Ethan, this might actually put you to sleep because we both worked with an artist that I won't name, but we were talking about him the other day. Elton John. Yes. Let's just go ahead and say it. When I was recording Rocket Man. Uh, In the spatial uh, I had Apple the, music. Yeah. I had the slide part and I was like, what, what if it went from this bottom speaker to the far right speaker? <laughs> and they said, those don't exist yet. And I said, they will. They will. They will. Yeah. Oh, no, yes. the future is uh, showing. There's an artist that we both worked with, and we we're talking about what is essentially the the zeitgeist moment, mm-hmm. where it just so happened that everybody that was making th- the record with him was at their own kind of coming of age peak. Right. It was like a perfect storm, and it it met with his peak. Right. And what happened, we could never replicate after that. Right. And 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 though though it was chased, absolutely that magic was sort of like, let's just do that again, right? But because so many of the personalities that that met there that kind of peak went past it too. Yep, all those arcs went past their own journeys. Mm-hmm. So chasing it didn't work or exactly. make sense. And then uh, ten or twelve years later, with all of the Metallica esque knowledge that we have about being decent people and having good relationships and repairing the past, we went in and made another record and it still didn't have the magic of that first record. I'm interested what you think about this, Ethan. I think they would have done better to have, I get it, they're marketing the Black Album, they're trying to remain relevant, Masterclasses is a big thing. Yep. And they really do have 40 years of success to like, Sure, that's not nothing. Of course. But I do think they knew better. I think they knew that it wasn't something you can teach. I think they, I think they got, I yeah. think they got paid. But I think they would have done better. You know, I'm really, really excited today that we might all go see Tool together. Mm-hmm. Today, this sort of happened where yeah. it, it, I, I wanted Paul and Ethan and I to go see Tool in March, and our schedules as of now are open. I bought the tickets, right. so as of now, we're going to go see Tool. Now, Tool's this band that shied away from interviews. Mm-hmm. They, they might have even hurt themselves in a way. And yet, as long as they want to, they will sell twenty to 30,000 tickets in every major market right. for the rest of their career. Which is crazy. Yeah. I think Metallica could take a page out of that. Like, You don't have to try to fucking unearth and explain and document everything you ever yeah. did in your career. It dilutes something powerful about yeah. what happened. And maybe you can even say this about Hardwired or the, or the upcoming record, whenever that will be. How much more exciting would those records be if they were just silent for two years? Yeah, and we didn't we didn't know what they were doing, and, well, all, we and then all of a sudden there's like, oh fuck, there's a single. Is what? there a sense to where the black album has been 
a little emasculated by all this 40th anniversary press or 30th anniversary yeah. black album. They just almost sucked some of the life out of the black album by now you can buy the the shortest straw t-shirt and the yeah. and the black album yeah. uh, commencement ring and the black album yeti cooler. It's a lot. And the masterclass, it's like it's kind of well, taken some of the power away. It's pretty bloated, you know. Yeah, they've well, kind of become the kissification. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's, it is, it's totally it's, the kiss. What is the thing kiss I sent? Pay, what, what, is the, what is the thing I sent you guys the other day where this is a new thing they're selling? And I was like, what the fuck is this? I don't. Remember it was like that. a necklace or something. Oh, what was that? It was shoot. like a pendant. It's like three hundred bucks. I missed that one. I thought we all. Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. and I I don't even mean to sound like I'm harping on them for trying to get that fucking. Lettuce, those, those bones. Yeah, the lettuce. Get, bones, that, get that jingle jangle in their pockets. Well, it, how do I land this plane, Paul? Well, you know what I'm saying, right? You landed in a very Kirk style. <laughs> I did. Um, I did. No, no, no. You know, I I can't help but think about maybe one of the things that we haven't touched on is. Have you seen the Beatles get the back? Get back. back. <laughs> yeah, have you seen it? Peter Jackson did it. He's a guy who did Lord of the Rings. No, no. Yeah. I think I, Baggins. I think I have a really good point. Maybe. There is when when you experience fame, especially at a young age, like I have. <laughs> honestly, I don't think we, we get it. Yeah, I don't think any of the three of us have a clue what I'm about to talk about. Which is when you've been in the 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 best of category and the first at the top of the game. You know, best metal band of all time. Yeah, you know. for sure. The Beatles are metal. The Beatles of Which metal. Which is the highest compliment yeah. I can oh, yeah. give a band that's not okay. the Beatles. Oh, yeah. So what starts to happen when you look in the mirror and you start to see gray in your hair, in your beard. Right. You fight that. You fight that. And I think that part of what they're going through right now is the transition from relevancy on a international like MTV global culturally important culturally important yeah. to i don't matter to younger people which is a a hard transition that's honestly how i've been feeling as a as a performing guitar player well join the it's club been really, buddy. it's been really painful yeah i don't know if you've i don't know we haven't really talked about that we haven't no but it's good it's hard to <clears throat> get older in this industry as a performer yeah sure yeah well rock on and my little level rock and roll is inherently a young man's game right we're and all supposed to be dead by 27 and you, right you know and you can't stay young and time waits for no man etc yeah, yeah for sure that's uh, better to burn out than fade, fade away. away rest in peace kurt but i think that uh i think that for them you know it in your last episode you were talking about how they probably each have an, a business manager mm -hmm. and then Metallica itself probably has a, a slew of business, business managers and oh, all yeah. those people talk about where their money's supposed to be divided and all of that, right? Well, on a creative front, you know they have several people which we could list out the actual names of, but even probably some that we don't that are, that are speaking in on, hey, this is cool. You guys should do this. And when you're at that level, there's no possible way you can have a pulse on everything right. that's going on. Or be objective. Totally. So I see those guys saying like, oh, Hans Zimmer did a masterclass? Right. Uh, your boy- uh, David, David Lynch. David Lynch, Lynch yeah. did a masterclass? We should do one. My boy, 
brisket man did a master class. <laughs> we should do it. It's cool, right? And I don't fault them for getting into it and and maybe in the middle of it kind of fumbling over their words because they realize, oh, wait, we're talking about the thing that you can't really talk right. about. You can't teach that The thing stuff. that should not be. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Do you, ever, do you ever listen to us talk about stuff that on episodes you're not on and you like think we're getting it wrong? You ever like, oh, fuck. No, it's not that. It's more like, gosh, man, if I could press pause and be in the room with them right now. There was, there was one of those on the last episode where I was like, oh, gosh, you guys got real close, but I could land this this plane was it about um band sharing publishing uh yeah yeah uh, and uh it was something about land the plane no no it was something about their business management and handshake deals i can't remember dude might have been the handshake deal maybe maybe we talked about like robert getting co-writing credit on all of death yeah Manic what does it mean to you that lars gets co-writes on everything you know how uh, this, you I mean, know how this works yeah you know, you summed it up at one point keeping the band together is more important than you know the actual who wrote what word when where and so a handshake deal was made where Lars's contribution from an arranging standpoint and the energetic soul of the band becomes a monetizable thing yeah. and that's it that's and, the value and you know what I'm totally cool with it because we still have Metallica Mm -hmm. here's a question to wrap it up so what it, what's everyone's hopes for next year oh, this man. has been a this has been kind of a like sp spiritually kind of a rebirthing year right like, yeah do you feel that way absolutely like, for sure yeah especially start, starting in the summer we started doing this morgan way thing and, yeah for sure and i do want to thank you even when it was like way bleak even pre-morgan wade you were having us come in and work and yeah for sure absolutely, we're always man. grateful for that it felt so good to just have something to do and be with you and charlie and mm. yeah nate yeah, you know, for sure. I'm I'm in this weird place as far as like looking forward to the future. Is I'm very excited about things to come, but if anything, what the last like 18 months has taught me is just to like enjoy each each day as yeah. it, as it comes. Hey, man. Totally. You know, um, it's 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 fun to speculate and be like, oh, uh, we might do this in the future. This this is going to be awesome. That might happen. That might not happen. We don't know. Yeah. So, um. I really thought about that a lot on the tour we were just on where, yeah. you know, even if the venue was kind of shitty or whatever, or it was just a weird day or whatever. It's like, man, I didn't work for a long time. And here I am like setting up gear on stage. One of my best friends is across the stage from me. It's hard to complain about anything. Yeah. You know that I mean? was really special. Yeah. yeah, it really was, you know? And, and we had a very interesting, um, the first leg we were in a sprinter, which was yeah. really hard, yeah, but also great. And then we leveled up to the bus, which was fucking amazing. Of course. Yeah. But then there's also the whatever bullshit comes with that too. There always is, yeah. I think, man, I mean, I'm saying this because I don't have to be in a van at this point in my life, but... <laughs> the, Not like us in October. Right. The, there's something really endearing about when... And and I'm saying this because I've been in a van for oh, a million know, hours. You know the deal. Oh, yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. You know but there is a sense of we're so in everybody's space that... We all have to get get together. Yeah, it's it's all for one, one for all because there's nowhere for anybody to hide. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and even on a bus, you would think like, oh, well, you're still all in this really confined space. There's something about being able to get in your bunk that you can really kind of isolate yourself yeah. from everybody else. 
And that's what um, I mostly did. And well, and that's fine. <laughs> that's what the, it's there for. Yeah, but there's for sure, something yeah. really endearing about the van. Like when we stop for gas, everybody stops for gas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone, everyone gets out. Yeah, yeah. I and, have gas. <laughs> yeah, I have so gas. When, <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. And I, I think it, it's a pretty bonding. Like if you can make it through a van tour, yeah, I think your band that. is bonding. Yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 a, t- it's a test for sure. I was yeah. actually really, you know, when we leveled up to the bus, it's a masterclass. A real masterclass. Yeah, yeah, and touring. But I was thinking like, you know, if I could have written the journey for our band, our little band that could be, that's mm-hmm. happening, that we're building, I would have actually chosen for us to do the first leg in that way because yeah. it yeah. it for really sure. was a refining process. Yep. And then when we leveled up to the bus, it there was a lot of gratitude for, yep. mostly a lot of gratitude for that space. Yeah, for sure. But you had this amazing summer out vibe with Anne yeah that i think was a big surprise for you as a you know you you're not a road guy any you no. you made your fucking bones as a road guy <laughs> i you prefer to lettuce. call it my <laughs> you made cheddar your, you made your lettuce my as a cheddar bone. cheddar man <laughs> but you know you had a really exciting fall and i know you had out you had the bone with you you had lacito yeah Still this drummer that no one knows sean t lane plays for pedro, pedro the lion yeah um, he actually plays for noah too Oh, wait, awesome. he played. He played for PTL. Yeah, like, like is he a like, Seattle guy? Like, like, yeah, yeah. yeah re- like recently though, he's not like an old school okay. Dave drummer, but like the last I think couple tours Dave did as Page of the Lion. I'm when a when huge Page of the Lion. Yeah. Oh yeah, he was the dude. Well, you had an amazing fall. Yeah, and summer with with you know a rock fucking icon. Yeah, yeah. It was a sweet gift, man. And here's how you know that gig was fucking amazing because it brought out three dudes who do not go on the road i know <laughs> tom, true. i know tom went on the road with joe walsh yeah that's joe walsh it's joe yeah. walsh you have to say yes to that so lucido yep no road you're not a road guy anymore nope. nope and i know that turned from like a summer 10 date thing into kind of a fun thing yeah yeah what is that we, band called? The Dogs? The, the Awesome Dogs? The Amazing Dogs. The amazing Dogs. But you got to take off the G of Amazing and replace it with a... Uh, An apostrophe? Apostrophe. What a, amazing. What a, I didn't come up with that. What it's a, amazing. But what a surprising chapter for you. Absolutely, dude. You, and know, we, you know, we were at home or whatever doing our own little thing in yeah. all of it, man. Oh, oh, gosh, yeah. We were just so stoked the for you. The first guys. couple shows you did, like the next morning I'd be- Ethan in, was like looking it up on yeah. YouTube. Oh, I'd, I'd be sitting there sipping coffee on YouTube like uh, Ann Wilson. Well, because yeah. we played, did you, you guys did Neptune, right? Yeah. So and y'all ne- were there like two we, weeks later. We yeah. went to the Neptune, yeah, a couple of, uh, maybe a month later. Yeah. yeah. I remember uh, that morning, I, I don't think I'd seen you yet off the bus, but I remember I took a picture of the venue and yeah. I, I yeah. texted the two of you and I said, I can't believe we're, we're going to play the same stage as the Amazing I, I thought <laughs> I thought about it on stage that night because I'm stage right where you are. Yeah. And I really had several moments that night doing our little thing, selling our show. Sure, yeah. Where I thought, oh man, Paul was here playing Magic Man. Oh, I know. So cool. cool. Or Barracuda. So you know? bitching. It's, it's different phases of life. Like, what's special about where you guys are is there's the the untapped potential of what this thing could be, you know? And so you might go through harder moments like a van right now, but the, but the idea is that you're building something that could pay off for a long time mm-hmm. and that you're building relationships that you're on the front end of the arc of a, a musical journey with this person, you right. know? And she's young and has a lot to offer and, and, 
a dynamic performer. I've seen her, you know. So you saw the rhyme. The you, you attacked for her guitar player. Yeah. And well, and she's, <laughs> she's cut, uh, two different times here in the studio. So yeah. I've seen her in the studio and, and she loves it here too. She does. Yeah. It's awesome. It's awesome. But, uh, you know, it's almost, it's two sides of the same coin. I'm getting to play with someone that's on the other end of that arc. And, right. and it's beautiful in the fact that, I mean, sh- there's no doubt in who she is and what she can do. And it's an amazing experience every night. But I'm also getting on stage knowing this has a definite end date. And so I've got to enjoy every mm-hmm. moment uh, because I don't know how long it's going to last. True. You know. But you guys definitely breathed new life. Absolutely. Oh, for sure. Yeah, she yeah. would say that. She would say that. Yeah. And, you know, I think if it was up to her, she'd go on for another 10 years. Yeah. And uh, hopefully so. Yeah. And, but, you know, there there's a lot of history there and a lot of other uh, things at, at play. And so for me, it's just like every night was... And also me being like, man, I have a whole nother life besides this. And if you told me tonight I had to decide between continuing on the smokestack or playing with Ann Wilson. Or co-hosting Metal Group Podcast. Right, yeah. That, well, it's a it, given, would, given. it would be a clear choice. I'd have to drop that gig immediately because this yeah. is what I've built. You right. know? The oh, yeah, this is your empire. And so, right? so having that mentality, getting on stage made it that much more fun for me because it was like, I've got to be a hundred percent present it's not about tomorrow it's about right now Mm -hmm. and it made the shows insanely fun and she's been releasing uh these youtube videos of a show that they shot when we were in hampton beach and it was just a really good night the band was on and uh so it's really fun when these shows come out we all get on our text thread like man i really hope we get to do this again next year who else on it is it is Uh, is ann on it Anne's not on it. It's uh, you and Tony. It's the, and dogs. it's the band, a couple of guitar techs and stuff. <laughs> the amazing like that. dogs, amazing yeah. dogs, yeah, and crew. So, yeah, man. You know, I think the big takeaway from it for me is is if you're going to really go after experiences in life that become treasurable moments that you can look back and say that was a surprise and I did that. You have to be willing to walk through doors that open that might require you to get into uncomfortable waters, you know? Right. And that was this for me. It was like, I had to really sacrifice a lot of the stability that I made and like routine. That's a big one when you get our age is routine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I upended all of that. My kids did did not know me as a traveling musician and I'm going away for weeks at a time, you know? And to be on the other side of that and say like, Gosh, man, that was so worth doing. Like it fed me artistically. We made a lot of people happy. It's a really good thing. I hope it gets to happen. COVID sucks. <laughs> you know, it's like it's fun to to be this age and feel like I still have more to learn and accomplish. And- yeah, that's cool. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there's your master class. <laughs> your master fucking. And I'm class not even right fucking there. kidding. Yeah, for there's real. There's your master class, and guess what? It was motherfucking free. Peace. <laughs> Adios. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
advice or what would you say, then I would say delete that. 